What's up, you guys? I'm your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life in Alaska. Welcome back for another week, another episode, episode 30, chugging right along, joined always by the one, the only, greatest co-host on the planet, Mr. Sean Love. What's up, guys? And we have a very special guest this week, somebody I've been wanting to get on the podcast since we've started it. Longtime friend, haven't seen him in years, so super excited to sit down and talk all kinds of all kinds of stuff, all kinds of lies, all kinds of stories. It's going to be a good time. Mr. Spencer Warren is with us today. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, it's going to be a good episode, guys. We're going to cover a lot of fun stories, going to cover some photography stuff. This week, Spencer is a what I would consider an adventure photographer, covers everything, wildlife, adventure, travel, uh, you know, advertising, sports, all kinds of stuff. Super awesome guys, traveled the world, you know, he's booking right now worldwide, all kinds of awesome stuff. So if you're interested in any of that type of stuff, go give him a follow over on Instagram at Spencer Warren. He's got amazing content, one of my absolute favorite nature photographers, and man, the content he puts out, it's it's great, it's awesome, and you're going to get to learn all about it today, so uh, it's going to be a good one. So. Good way to pump my tires, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Got to gotta boost the egos out here, you know, got to look after the family. Oh, But man, what have you been up to? You've been, you know, just out and about, traveling the world, you're... Uh, Currently traveling quite a bit slower on uh, two sticks and a in a boot. <laughs> yeah, I currently got a broken leg. I got uh, about two weeks left before I can start walking. That was a fun story. So I guess I'll just start with that Heck one. Yeah, right? might yeah. as well <laughs> address the elephant in the room. The yep, stinky uh, foot. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the boots too get to stinking. <laughs> I know. If you look, I got a patriotic dog. I got an American flag painted on my toenail. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. to show off those, pearl, those pearly toes, man. Uh, all right, some backstory. I have played hockey for about 20 years. I played for University of Washington for a year. Halfway through that, I signed to play for Seattle Totems. Uh, went through that for a year. I tried doing school during that time. It was just too much doing hockey and uh, school at the same time, so... Focused on hockey, tried to get my scholarship elsewhere. That was my focus at the time. COVID hit at the very end of my season in Seattle. And so they literally was just a done. There is no more no more hockey. So I came back up to Alaska for a couple months just trying to figure out where I was going. I had one more year of eligibility to go play junior hockey. And I had a, had a few phone calls. I was trying out for the Kenai River Brown Bears and Made it all the way to main camp, headed down to Minnesota, did that with them. Uh, did not make it, and then I, uh, oh, what's his name? I forgot the head coach's name at the time, but he uh, he was friends. He actually went to school with my former coach, uh, Emerson Edom, who was the coach in Missoula, Montana. And so I signed, played down there, and at the end of that year, I stuck around for another one just because photography was kind of start taking off I took it more seriously I did uh the reason it started taking off is because I actually broke my knee <laughs> <laughs> around Christmas time and so I had a lot of downtime and so I did made some hype videos for the for the junior team and that shot my name up out there and so fast forward a couple months I spend the whole summer just adventures I hardly spent any time at home and I had I met a lot of friends from the area that were also photographers so we just it'd be every other day like 
dude, let's go. Let's go up to Glacier. Let's go travel over here. And all these roads and stuff I've never heard of. We just backed up and went. No questions asked. Uh, but anyway, I've played hockey for a very long time. I'm strong on my skates. And uh, my friends, I met them uh, probably around August. No, it was right before I actually went to Africa for photos. I met them and then did my trip, came back, and started hanging out more and more. And they're like, dude, like you should come try figure skating with us. And they're professional figure skaters and absolutely love what they do. They're phenomenal. And they're like, all right, dude, let's let's try some tricks and stuff. And so I just like, he's like, all right, you're going to spin her in a circle. And I dropped her several times. I feel bad. <laughs> it, was, it was funny, but <laughs> I did feel bad sometimes. <laughs> Gave her a little bit of CT. Yeah, no exactly. big deal. That's a later <laughs> issue, right? Join the club. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they were they were we kept going at it a little bit and they're like, dude, you should totally like send in an audition video for uh for Disney on Ice, because that's who they were skating with. Or at, they were skating with before COVID hit. That's why they ended up in Montana. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Yeah, let's do it. I filmed their audition video to send back out. And I thought it was really cool. I've never been in the figure skating world, so just kind of seeing all that and what they can do is just unreal to watch. And, yeah, we go at it. I try rollerblading. I, I've done rollerblading, but this is the first time I've gone, like, in the in the skate park, and I crash multiple times. I'd show up to the skate park in, like, full hockey gear. Everybody else is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're going to try dropping into this bowl. And there was this, like, there was this uh, little tiny ramp that kind of went in. And I was like, I'm finally going to hit this. I got full gear on, and my buddy was filming. And you could just see, like, my head pop out. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And then I go down and just eat shit just right on my tailbone. <laughs> oh. I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> This isn't ice. I don't feel comfortable. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we uh, we kept going out a little bit. They taught me some tricks off the ice where I was able to hold her, uh, her name's Sydney, up above my head with two arms and then one arm. And we were going to translate that to the ice at some point when both of us felt more comfortable. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She's like, I'm I not did. letting this motherfucker pick me up on the ice. Right it's now. a little higher. I don't want to hurt her. She's one of my best friends. And, uh, but yeah, then they had a trip book to Idaho, McCall, Idaho, and that's where I went with them. We had, we traded, uh, me filming another audition video for more ice time. So we would just have the ice pretty much all day if we wanted to, and we'd just go at it all morning and they were teaching me an axle. And so if you guys don't know what that is, is you jump, spin around and then land. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And they had a harness, dude. And we were, uh, they were hooked me up in the harness. And I, like, I was kind of getting it. It still was very rough, but I was I was getting the gist of it. And then we were just, uh, Sydney was like, all right, we need, to, we need to slow it down and kind of just like work on the basics and stuff to really, because people do it for years mm-hmm. before they, or months to years, however your skill level or how fast you perform yep. and develop at that. So they were like, we're just doing a crash course. Like, let's slow it down a little bit. And we were we were just working on a simple, I think it was called a loop. I'm not sure on the term. And I literally slipped. I went around, changed from forward to backward, and I like, slipped out from underneath me. And I went to catch myself on the ice. And the toe picks, which have not Ooh. been catching for me this entire time, finally caught at the worst time. And there went, like, I felt my foot snap backwards from the body of my leg, mm. or from the weight of my body just falling on it. And 
I was like, I went on the ground, and I was like, ah, ah. we have it on video too. If, oh, you, can, if you guys want to see, hell it, I'll yeah. show you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and know. so I'm like, hold, I'm holding my leg, and uh, Justin, her boyfriend, comes over, and he's like, oh my god, dude, you probably just sprained your ankle. I was like, nah, bro, that was crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> that was crunchy. <laughs> I felt the crunch the whole way, and I was like, oh no. And so he like, let's go with my my my, because he was holding my the uh, base of my skate, my heel. And he lets go, and you can see my leg bend. In the uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, all right. So this, uh, we made skateboards on ice, skateboards for the ice, and we were still trying to figure out what we wanted to call them. But anyway, we used that to actually stretcher me off the ice. <laughs> so it came in handy. Nice. <laughs> and he carried me over. Uh, uh, he ran or no, Sydney ran over and grabbed the Jeep, pulled it right up front. He carried me into the car, and we're going to the hospital. And uh, we're like going around the corner, and McCall's a very small town. There, at, just around the corner, there is a uh, there's the hospital, but there was some road construction. And we're like, oh my god, there was a pile of dirt in the middle of the road. And I'm sitting there, I'm holding my leg. We're on the stop sign. There's like two cars in front of us, and I'm like, I've had it. I, we were waiting for like maybe 15 seconds before I was just, I'm done. I can't yeah. wait anymore. I rolled down the window. I was like, move the fucking vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking broken! Like I am so done with this. <laughs> when it, the hospital was right there. I see it. It, it was blocking the road before the turn to the, the hospital. hospital, and I was like, ah. So Sydney just, I was like, just say fuck it, just go, like go into the dirt, go onto the. There was a uh, parking lot onto the left side, so she crossed the road, and it was a, it was like parking lots here, just potholes everywhere, and I was like, just go, like I don't care, it's already broken, it can't get any worse, just get to the hospital. So we go in and uh, I I walk like I don't walk in. They give me a wheelchair and stuff, and we go and they're like, "All right, we need to take you back into the room." And I still hadn't told my family yet that like I broke my leg and they're mm. gonna get a nice hospital bill. <laughs> 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 I feel so bad for that, but I so this is oh I forgot what time of the day it was, but my mom was still at work at, because my mom's a nurse here mm-hmm. and so I FaceTime her while I'm in the hospital bed after we'd taken my. We had taken my skate off, so uh, my leg, it was my foot was crooked, and it did not look like, say, you had your hands like this, mm. right? One was, like, my right foot looked like that. Yeah. FaceTime my mom, and I was like, I'm, like, in tears, <laughs> like, Mom, you know how fucked up this fucked up? <laughs> Turn the camera on, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, have they given you any medicine yet for it? And I was like, ah, oh, no, not yet. Like, they're still waiting to get back some... Uh, I forgot what it was, but there was also permission to administer the drugs and all that. Mm. <laughs> My mom's like, just put, give me the, give them the phone. Right. I'll tell them. <laughs> and gave them the phone. They get an IV in me and uh, pump me full of like, the, I don't care medicine. Yeah, I'm full goods. of morphine or yeah. something. Yeah, yep. it, it, I, it was something. I know it had some fentanyl in it originally because they call it the I don't care drug. <laughs> and you really just, at that point, you don't care. You're just vibing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm vibing. And they made me, because I was actually wearing, I think, the same pants and shirt as I'm wearing now. And they were like, all right, dude, you need to you need to take your pants off or we're cutting them off. And these are, I literally just bought these pants, like, two days prior to this trip. Ugh. I was like, I'm not cutting these. <laughs> dude, I finally splurged and got me some, like, the Lululemon, uh, like, yeah, stretchy, <laughs> nice pants and all that. And I was like, I'm not cutting these. And so I pull them off, and I well before I pulled them off, I was like, "I'm wearing some funny underwear. I hope you don't mind." <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, they're like, what do you mean? I was like, it's got an eggplant on the front, across the entire front, and on the back, it's just a giant peach. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I, I pull my pants off, and then I guess I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm drugged up at this point, and I'm just, he's like, so what's the eggplant mean? And I was like, you don't know? <laughs> and then the nurse comes in, I'll tell him. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. And yes, yeah, so I'm sitting there, and I, we don't have any scans yet. All I know is my, my foot is not straight, and, and I couldn't quite tell where the break was. All I know is it just hurt like hell, and my foot like not in line. And uh, so the anesthesiologist comes in, and he starts talking to me about what he's going to do, and they're, they're going to put me in a state of mind where I'm not asleep, but I'm still, like, it knocks me out, but I'm able to have basic functions, a.k.a. breathing, and can respond to, like, yes or no, like, mm. I'm still conscious, but other than that, I'm not there and won't remember anything. So they gave me they gave me this IV, dude, and I, I swear to God, have you guys seen the Avatar movie with the mm. blue people? Yeah. You know, like, there's the Awa, and, like, you go, and it's, like, it's, it's straight up, he gave me the IV, and it was the scene from Star Wars when you go into light speed. It was just that everything was purple. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why everything was purple, but it was. because of the eggplant, man. Manifesting the eggplant. Or he had, oh, he had some, who was, he had some uh, band on his bandana. Oh, yeah. That also was purple. purple. <laughs> and uh, that might have been what triggered it. So I'm sitting there, like, I'm I'm knocked out. So the re- this part of the story is what my buddy has told me, my buddy Justin, because he, they allowed him to stay in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, all right. And at some point, they're like, hey, your buddy Justin's here. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> and the, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm here. And I was like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, what's up? <laughs> and I, I, they said I kept talking, like, I was, like, in space. I was on a, and I was on a purple meteorite, and I was flying everywhere. I was just like, whoa. Whoa, like just <laughs> completely out of it. But they're straightening my leg. They're putting me. And they said they, they took him out of the room because I still react to the pain. Mm, I just don't, don't remember it. Yeah, you don't. So you could just hear me just screaming there, like just uh, as they straighten it. Yeah, just reset. And yeah, they, <laughs> he comes in. It was just like, uh, he's like, dude, like, uh, what's going on? Like, how you feeling? I was like, oh, dude, I am so out of it right now. Like, I just, I don't even, I don't know how to respond to any. Besides yes or no, mm-hmm. and then at some point I look at it and I was I was like I was like man there's a dragon Justin you see the dragon <laughs> chase <laughs> the dragon man yeah, he's, yeah and then he's like yeah dude I see the dragon and I was I was the I was like no you don't <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that fucking dragon yeah. <laughs> what the color is it talking to me <laughs> what color is that dragon and he goes it's purple bro and I was like I knew you see that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, uh, he said it was really cool. So, like, I I was so out of it and stuff, and he started looking at the, uh, it's been, it's, I forgot, he's probably been, like, 15 minutes-ish. And he, he said he looked at his timer, and Justin was like, well, how long should this last? And he goes, well, any, like, in about 10 seconds, he should be waking up, and literally it was, like, a curtain was, like, lifting in front of me, and that was my eyes opening. That's kind of how it was. Like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> it was Instant, like the dude had it down to a T. It was impressive. That's crazy. But my leg was straight, and I was in a cast. I don't remember any of it. It was kind of the coolest, like That's really the cool best case scenario. Yeah, and yeah. So then we went home, and we were staying with one of their friends' houses, who was a uh, uh, former Worlds, I believe it was champion for figure skating, and then she's a coach, 
Uh, I think she won like 1983. Her name's Lori Benton. Pretty cool. That's cool. That's awesome. And uh, so we were staying with her, and we're sitting on the couch, and this is like just a couple hours after the break. I'm on so many pain meds, right? But I'm like in pain. It's bad. And I'm sitting there. Toes are out, right? Dogs are out. And they're like, Sydney gets up and says, Laura, you got any uh, uh, nail polish? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to paint your nails, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so she she grabbed, I think it was like, it's what my little toes are painted. It's it's like a pinkish. Nice, yeah. Got that. And then Justin goes, nah, we're going to paint the American flag on his big toe. And so they got red, white, and blue, and even... They put stars on that sucker, and it was impressive detail. Heck yeah. But yeah, we found, we didn't know yet. They thought it was a uh, kind of a stress fracture at this mm-hmm. time. The x-ray, the bone broke, and then it was sitting so close to right back in the normal position. After they straightened it, they did that good of a job that on the x-ray it looked like it was just a stress fracture. And so uh, I'm in the cast, but I have surgery the next week up here in Homer. But I have to, I'm in the process of moving. It was the mm. worst time to break my leg. Yep. And we're about six hours ish from Missoula. And I was like, hey guys, uh, so my car's a manual. I can't drive it now. Do you and we I had to put it on the ship to send from Seattle to oh, yep. Alaska because that drive that drive would have been ridiculous with my eight miles of the gallon oh, Jeep. Yeah. And with a bro- fresh gas. broken and leg. A fresh yeah. broken leg, dude. I couldn't do clutching gas or anything like that. I was just in no mood for it. I had to keep my leg elevated and stuff because I hadn't even had surgery yet. Yep. So I was like, hey, guys, like I know they're moving to Boston because that's where her family's from. They were going out there uh, to keep working or and wait to get a contract with another company. And... So they were very generous and said, yes, we'll drive your car, because Justin knew how to drive manual. Ironically, one of the few people I knew in Montana that knew how to drive a manual. Yeah, few people left on the planet that right? how to drive a manual. <laughs> they, uh, they, we all loaded up just a couple days later and booked it out to Seattle. And my older brother, and uh, he lives over in the naval base, so we went and stayed with them for a couple days. Well, it was, I think it was two nights yeah, it was two nights because we spent the night and then we went back and we explored Seattle. She had never been. And so I was able to kind of like, I went to school here. Like this was, I've been around the city. A lot of things have happened in this city. And so I got to show her, which was really cool, but I was on crutches. So I got a little cranky, but I was like, I'm not going to do this for anybody else. Like you're lucky. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so show them around, get back home, uh, fall asleep, wake up the next day, go put my car on the boat and ship it up to Alaska, and I, I go to the airport, and oh my god, that was my first time I've ever had to deal with Seattle Airport and a broken leg, and my god, you get so much special treatment. Right, that's <laughs> nice. So it was like, I, we, I got dropped off about six hours before my flight, and you can only check in four hours prior. <sighs> so I'm, and I, I totally understood they had to get on the road. They're going to the fucking East Coast, and yeah. on the West Coast, <laughs> yeah. like you see the water. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I'm sitting there, and this uh, sweet black lady came over. She's like, do you need help? Any, any help, sir? And I was like, oh, like, I got to wait a couple hours before I can check in. She's like, all right, well, I'll be over here if you need anything. So I sat there and sat there for two hours, and she disappeared. And I was just like, well, I still have four hours until I'm even having to worry about checking in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not worried about it at all. And she comes back about 
three hours before my flight ish, and she's like, "You're still sitting here, like, oh, let me help you." She went and got me a wheelchair, and I was like, "I got two firearms to check in." Like, it's like it's not just a let's go to security. Yeah, and it's go. gonna be a debacle. Like, <laughs> yeah, so we go in, and this is the first time I've ever seen where they actually like after you check in and declare a firearm. This is the first time they've ever made me uh, have an escort from the check in stand to the. Uh, to drop off for the firearm. Like the oversized. Normally stuff, yeah. it's been like, you check in, you show them the firearm at the gate, and they're like, okay, here, put this little piece of paper on it, right? Yeah. And then walk it over and drop it off, and also wait until they check it and everything. But they had to, like, escort me over, and here I am, like, in a wheelchair. Just, I'm not a fan of everything that's happening. I just wanted to get home and just <laughs> be done with this, right? And so we go, and we drop out, we drop the weapon off, two weapons, and it was... Very smooth process, ironically, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. And we get through security, and I sit there, and his, the amount of people that were just kind of like, everybody stares at you a little bit. Yeah. You, you're, <laughs> you're, you're bringing in a little bit of attention, and I hated that because I normally in the airport, I'm very low profile. I kind of just like hang out in the corner. Or yeah. I'll go get my food, go back, kind of stay on my phone, headphones on. Like, I never make anything, but it was, I was literally sitting there just on my phone, but the amount of people I can, ca- I kept looking up, they're all looking at my leg because it's a fresh cast. Mm. And they knew, like, they're like, oh, something's going on. And dude, this little girl came up to me and she had, she drew me on a piece of paper Aww. and said, broken, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> but like a picture of my cast and the crutches and everything with the wheelchair. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> and so anyway, we get on the plane and I, I fly home, and it was a process to go through the airport to pick up all my bags, but thank God there's a lot of really nice people around, and they, mm-hmm. they help without any question. Like, you don't even have to ask. They just, they literally was like, dude, I got you. Where are you going? That's super yeah. nice. No, that makes that process so much better, because mm-hmm. every aer- airport just sucks. Yeah. Anytime, especially in a process like that, like moving somewhere, you've got, you know, probably three bags, you've got weapons, you're flying, and it's just always a debacle to where, you know, it's nice when people, you know, go out of their way to make things a little bit easier. I know, and yeah. it's just the worst time to actually, like, have a broken leg and be moving at the same time. It's just not fun. No, not at all. So with your surgery, did they go in and, like, put a plate and some screws yeah, in Yeah, I got a, about a 10-inch plate put in and i think 11 screws nice that's a that's a good one <laughs> you can do that's it if you do a uh, hang loose sign that's how big the incision is on my leg oh, gnarly yeah <laughs> and it's so like i i never wear the boot anymore after it was cool after the second i didn't know you could do this i think times are changing for the recovery process but after the second week they actually said i can take the cast off so they took the cast off and i they gave me the boot wore the boot for a few days and then uh, i began physical therapy which blew my mind that i was starting at this early like mm. two and a half weeks after surgery yeah i'm already in pt working on just very basic i can't put any weight on it i can now but i can't walk and i only work on just mobility so that my ligaments don't get tightened because i actually tore one of the ligaments inside my leg so that's why it's a really slow process to heal it's one thing to heal a bone it's another thing to heal a torn ligament yep No, I had that same issue when I did my ankle. It was kind of a similar situation, but it was, uh, you know, a football injury. That football practice jumped up for a pass, came down, and, you know, would have much rather break my leg in this situation but uh, because I'm hyper-flexible, and so all my joints are really uh, loose, came down, and my foot dislocated and basically, you know, came off onto the inside of uh, my leg there and just 
came up forward and tore all four of the ligaments in there to where it was, you know, very similar process where I'm in a, you know, boot for, oh God, I don't even, I wasn't weight bearing for like three and a half months, then finally mm. got to be in a boot and could be on a boot and crutches. And then from there, it was, you know, like another three weeks at least. Then I could finally start, like, doing PT stuff. And they are like, yeah, you should have just broke your leg. It would have been way simpler. <laughs> <laughs> like, what we could have gone in and fixed it. Exactly. They, <laughs> but when you don't break anything, it's, it's considered invasive, so they can't. Exactly. They just reset it, and they're like, well, <laughs> good luck, buddy. See you in, like, oh. four months. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy, like, just after the first week of not losing your leg, how much muscle you lose. Oh, the atrophy's your, crazy. Your leg shrinks so quickly and it was kind of scary like it looked like just a bone almost mm-hmm. with just a little bit of like loose skin i was like this is weird that this that's is not leg. okay you look at my left leg still strong like it looks how it always has and then you look at my right leg and it's just you can see the bone yeah and i was like oh what's going on is this normal All right and it's crazy because like having it in the cast and stuff too just not having sunlight off of it you take those casts off and it just it's gross looking. Like, it's all like pasty and scaly. And yeah. No, I was so happy after it was only two weeks. So then I was actually able to go home and I washed my leg. Yeah, I still have to use a sh- fucking shower chair, but <laughs> I am so glad that's ending here very soon. You know, yeah. but uh, no, it was nice. I was able to take because that was my one fear was like I don't want a stinky leg when they pull that cast off because I know like I remember I broke my dad's leg. Same thing broke except for I broke both bones and tore both ligaments. So he was really screwed from it, and I felt so bad. But when they took the cast off, like you, it's just this aroma, mm. and it's just not it's good. A different and type it, of it lasts for too. it lasts for a couple days. No matter how many times you wash it, it's just it's just there. It's baked in. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's gross. It's <laughs> so gross. It's yeah, just like stinky dead. It's just it's just foul. I can't really describe it. it's like body odor but not yeah. it <laughs> almost it reminds me of almost like a rotting smell over like a yeah. normal like bo you like you get bo is kind of like the sour but this is more yeah like you said like the rot like just bad garbage kind of yeah not a good smell <laughs> i do not want any part of my body to smell like that no yeah. when Never. i broke my wrist i was stuck in a cast for a good bit and i mean you would just like trying to sleep and it'd be like near your face and it just stinks like trying to figure <laughs> out a way to just like not be around yourself yep. like this thing is gross like i can't get rid of it yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me just take my leg off really quick and send it to the side i just put it in a chamber and just let it right. <laughs> let it fix itself I'll, I'll attach it later yeah throw it in a cryo chamber come back in a year and be like hey, this smell better yet <laughs> tired of that thing no and the crazy thing is i don't know if you remember i how many years Older are you from where you were in school? Uh, I graduated in 16, so I think it was two, two years. Yep. Yeah, so my freshman year, you would have been a junior. Yes. Do you remember in baseball? Because we played baseball mm. together. Remember back then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the good old days. The glory days. My freshman year, I had a broken foot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was same thing. Eight weeks, I broke my – I split my heel in half. I it was uh. – I was uh, I was doing something in PE, and I guess I had been walking on a broken heel for two years. And – Doing these running starts in PE, like rebroke it. Been trying to heal, and I've always had these walking pains, and then just these starts just finally snapped it. And so uh, after the eight weeks of being on crutches and no weight, I remember going into the doctor's office. They took a scan of my foot, and they're like, "All right, you're good to go. Like you can start walk or start putting weight on it again and walking." <laughs> I set the crutches to the side, took one step, and fell to the ground because I forgot how to walk. It was the weirdest feeling ever like you you grow up you always walking like 
Mm. Everybody, most people have two legs. Yeah. You use it without even thinking. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when it's taken away and you're just like, okay, this is not right. Like, yeah, <laughs> walking around just kind of stumbling. You're like, I feel stupid. Okay, <laughs> you're getting up trying to walk. Like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, oh, injuries are just rough. And it's just, you know, it's the nature of the beast when sports. I mean, we've all, you know, all played competitive sports. And when you play them as long, I mean, you've been, like you said you've been on the ice since you were you know could like walk old, exactly yeah. <laughs> so you know it's just a matter of time and you know same thing with you know football is a very violent sport and it was you know it definitely took years off my life and I got too much metal in my body that I'd like you know more than I'd like and the recovery process it's always no matter how many times you've done it it's different every time it never gets easier and it's just like it's just as much a mental battle as a physical battle because i mean it's like it takes your whole you know all your hobbies away that you know your job everything it just puts everything on the back burner and for a lot of it you just have to it's a waiting game like you just have to sit around and wait for it to you know get to the point where you can start doing rehab and stuff and i mean no matter what you enjoy doing unless maybe it's video games and then even i when i broke my wrist you can't even yeah exactly you try to play with one hand it is like Uh, i was telling my mom the other day i was like i'm actually starting to like video games again this is a problem (laughs) (laughs) none of that like First, probably four weeks of me with the broken leg, I can only play for a couple hours, and I'm just like, I'm bored. I mm. can't. I can't, can't just sit here all yeah. day. Yeah. And I, but I would try finding something else to do, and I'd be like, I can't do anything, so I'd go back to it and just kind of force myself to play because it's the only thing that would kill time for me. Yeah, and keep your mind busy. Yeah, and so then it's like I kept playing and playing, and like, now it's like, all right, you know, I actually don't mind it. I can sit down. I have nothing else to do. Like I'll sit down all day and just play because... I can't go on my hikes. I can't do my adventures and stuff that I normally would be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I can't wait though to be able to start walking and then just having that freedom to go out and just straight up just walk in the backyard or go play with my dogs. Yeah. I cannot wait to do that. Oh, I bet. You know, you've got some adorable pups too. They've got, I mean, they're much more famous than probably all three of us combined. <laughs> your, your dog, your I dog know, has quite the social media. I think, he's got a, I think he's sitting at 127,000 followers right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you on the podcast? <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I know, <it> hurts. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. That's no, and you it makes you like sit back and kind of realize all the things you do take for granted. Even simple things like walking. You know, just being able to go to the backyard, throw a tennis ball for the dog. Nonetheless, you know, do the you know stuff we really enjoy doing with you know adventuring, going out doing photo shoots, stuff like that. And it just man, it makes that itch just so real. You're like, come on, come on, <laughs> you know? I know. Hey, dude, it was like the it was the second or it was I think it was second and third day. I woke up the next morning. This was like right after I broke my leg, not after surgery, and I was like, this dream can be over now. Like I'm done with this right <laughs> just I slapping just, yourself away we can wake up at any point now. i know i'd like sit in bed and you just i because the first couple weeks you have to keep your leg elevated because keep the swelling down for surgery if it's mm-hmm. swollen they can't, can't go, go in, in you know. and mm-hmm. it's just miserable you can, like i've gotten unfortunately good at sleeping on my back because i've been injured so much right. <laughs> and i'm just like, this sucks like here i am again but my uh my dr adcox he mm-hmm. said uh he had a really good quote he told me uh, he called it life bumps. He says, your life is like, imagine it's your entire uh, wingspan, right? And your uh, your injury is about the width of your thumb to your entire life. And they're life bumps. The more life bumps, the the crazier life you live and the more stories you have rather than someone who, I'd much rather do that than like mm-hmm. 
do that and maintain the body and let it heal again. Whereas I don't have anything exciting happen. And that's, you know, it's a really good way to put it. Exactly. There's a story behind every scar. Exactly. There is a story behind every scar and it's just, it allows you to slow down, especially if you've been go, go, go. It's, it's really nice to kind of just sit back and just be like, all right, like, let me really think about it. And especially like in my world where it's some people get in a creative rut and I was kind of going through that a little bit. And this, it was a bad timing for it, <laughs> but now it's made me have that itch to like, I just want to go again and I'm sick of being inside and not using my camera. And like, that's what I love doing. And so just the other day at 4th of July rodeo and an L chick, I, uh, my buddy invited me up and so we went out and I did the beach race photos and like, I couldn't do much. Normally I would pretty much shoot the entire rodeo just because that's what I like doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time I was like, I'm just going to do the beach race and just hang out and Went for the day and it was funny. It was fun. It was really nice and refreshing to use my camera and just being kind of creative. Granted, I couldn't do too much, mm. but it was funny. They gave me the wheeler and I went down. I was along the beach and this was before the races started. In the Ninilchik beaches, there's eagles everywhere. And I was like, I don't have a good photo of an eagle yet in my book. Mm. Like I have taken many photos, but not one that I'm like, this is epic. Yeah. It's not like, that, I'm like, I'm going to start right now. <laughs> like I'm right here. I didn't get one, <laughs> but it was like, I, I was on the wheeler and I can only get so close before I'm like, okay, I'm going to scare the Eagle off. And so I'd hop off the wheeler and I didn't have the crutches with me. So I'd be literally hopping through the shallow water on one leg. And my friends, they, they, you can hear them laughing up on the hill because they're watching me. Mm. They, they see I have this massive lens that's about two and a half feet long. Oh, and so here I am hopping on one leg down the beach, like in the water. And I like lay down on this giant chunk of coal and like start taking photos. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, none of them turned out, but it was just being able to do that and kind of starting to be there again was really nice and refreshing. And that's what I, that's what I love doing. And then being able to take the photos of the beach races and share them, being able to like see people's reaction to the having good photos of them is like Mm. the coolest thing to see because not everybody actually gets nice photos of them. Like I granted for me, I hardly have any good photos of me. (laughs) but I I love taking photos of my friends when we go on adventures and stuff. And sometimes it's like, Hey dude, put the camera away. It's like, nah, bro, this looks sick. (laughs) (laughs) No, and it's cool. Cause a great picture. I mean, cause you'll have it for forever. And when, you know, when you get somebody that's real skilled behind the camera and real skilled in editing, like we were chatting before the podcast and you, you and a couple others were the sole reason I sold all my camera equipment. Cause I was like, yeah, I can't fucking keep up with this shit. (laughs) (laughs) and uh but man when you get to see you know it might you might take a thousand pictures but to get those like five that like turn out and when you you know once the post-production's done on them and you look at them and you're just like that's sweet like that's just like i'm proud of this this is epic exactly that's what i was going for and you can have you know you have it for forever other people get to enjoy it especially you know if you take you know portraits of other people or action shots of other people and you know they can look back at it and they're like man that's crazy because i mean most of the time you're doing something cool and you're you know ask somebody to get a picture of you or you know you've got some fish or something or you know you give somebody your phone they just snap some of the most garbage blurry photos you're like yeah, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. Me, one hundred percent. Well, you're like at the same time though. It's like at least you got something to like show that it was there. Yeah, but I yeah. also really like seeing the progression. Like if you go back, dude. I remember I had the other account. It was Visually Spence. Mm-hmm. I it's still out there. I never use it anymore. But you go back to the beginning of that. That was when I first started photography, and I was in class. I was in high school. Yep. I think I was. I think I was a junior. It might have been. Yeah, because I the way I started photography was on accident. 
my uh, the counselor, I think her name was Lynn. Lynn, uh, no. yeah, for sure. It was yep. definitely Lynn. Was it Lynn? I want to say yes. The older lady? Yes. I think so. Dark hair? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. (laughs) Consensus is yes. Yeah. (laughs) She came up to me and was like, hey, uh, you don't have enough credits to graduate. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) She goes, yeah, you're, you're, you're lacking in the arts. Like, cause there was, there was creative arts and something else arts. Like elective arts or something. Yeah. I was lacking in both of those. (laughs) And she's like, you need to, you need to like go take ceramics or something like that. And then uh, I'm going to put you into your book. And I was like, all right, I don't even know what that is, but sweet. I remember I buy one every year, but I don't know any of the process. (laughs) (laughs) Guess I'm taking your book. (laughs) I know. So I go home and I was like, dad, they put me in your book because I don't have enough credits to graduate and they're gonna they said after I take the class and stuff they'll just they'll allow me to pass and and walk and he's like all right I got a camera laying around here somewhere and see like goes some digging and comes up like 30 minutes later and he's got the he's got Canon's first digital camera oh the OG (laughs) OG dude it shot at two megapixels like that that was the biggest I think I had a flip phone (laughs) I know but at the time when that thing came out two megapixels was massive remember everything was like kilobytes Mm -hmm. and so this thing was taking big photos and it's electronic it's not film so you can take as much as you want that would fit on the memory cards yep so I went around I was just I'd snap photos and everything turned out like garbage. I was like, this is not fun. (laughs) I'm not not enjoying this. Mm. I'm just, they, 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 the the class would send me like, you need to go take pictures of welding. I was like, all right. So I would just go out and like snap a photo and I'd be like, I hope it turned out. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) And, but I, I kept doing it. And then at some point I, uh, it was the the school had goats. Remember, mm-hmm. we had the baby goats or something like that. Oh, yeah. And so I remember. I think it was Katie Clark. She was playing with the goat or something like that. And I snapped a photo of her with the goat, and that was my first good photo. And I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." Yeah. Like this, it's so clear. It's sharp. Like you know, it it it's it gets you excited for it, even though like you're just starting. It's like your first good one, or it's like your first hunt. You finally got something, you know. It's that feeling, and it's like okay, this is pretty sweet. And uh, so I kept taking photos. Everything was garbage for the longest time. But then uh, my buddy Jacob Davis, he was like, "Dude, like come out to the cabin with me," because he had a cabin out on Caribou Lake. It's like bring your camera because he's been taking photos. He's like, "I'll teach you." And I was like, "Sweet, this is cool." Like. I went out to a beautiful place in Alaska to go learn how to take photos. And we hopped around a little skiff and just went around. He taught me all the settings and stuff. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, shutter speed, F-stop. F-stop. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I so, like, I was, it was. The, overwhelming. It, I, it was so overwhelming, <laughs> yep. dude. I felt like I was preparing for a test that wasn't coming. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so much info. <laughs> and it was, it was brutal. But it was like, it made it. It was the step in the right direction to start figuring out, okay, this is what each thing, each setting does. Like I had gone online and I call it YouTube university. I am for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm for completely sure. self-taught. That's how I've learned. I have learned from some of the greatest creators I ever think that existed. And they thank God they made the platform and then they can actually share their process on it. And it was really cool because I was just like, oh, man, like, I want to learn how to do this. I just type it in. And next thing you know, there's three different people. At the time, there was about three or four people that were making the videos in this realm that would Mm. teach you how to use it that were also entertaining. I hated the dry videos, very monotone. I cannot watch those. Nope. Nope. (laughs) But these people were doing... They were doing, like, travel vlogs and, like, all these... I was watching the Paul Brothers because it was, like, Mm. 
seeing not necessarily what they were doing, but how they were just filming their the life. Process the process it. behind it was so captivating. I was like, this is really cool. Like, I want to start doing this one day when I've got the camera kind of basics down. I'm going to figure out how to like do the vlogging and take videos. But like, I was focused on photos primarily. So video was like, I was like, I'm not going to touch that for a little bit. I'm going to figure that one out later after I figure one thing out. And that was photos. And I remember I went around town. I was taking, God, I was going out like every other night. And like most kids, like, you know, they go to parties and stuff. But I was out taking photos. I was I was going out at night, like taking trying pictures of the stars, the northern lights. Uh, if I could find anything that kind of like looked cool, I was like, I'm going to go take a photo of that. Mm-hmm. And there's another kid, Tegan. Carlson yep yeah he he would travel around with me as well because he was taking photos and he was he was like the uh it was him and Jacob that were two like the best photographers I knew and I was like I need to get on their level one of these days so then like we went out at literally every other night it was just taking photos with me and Tegan and it's just I think I took it was one day during the winter. I was down at Beluga Lake. It was frozen over, and my buddy Isaiah Nevac, we were playing some pond hockey, and I brought my camera out. And he's got this. I got this photo of him with the sun backlighting him, and he's flicking the puck up, and it looks so good. Like I would share it today. It's still mm. like one of my favorites. Still holds up. Yeah, yeah, it still holds up. But like I, I finally got like the photo that was like I can really kind of go off with this a little bit and yeah. see where this goes. So it was kind of like okay. I, I kept pushing for it more and more. I was like, this is like really, really like to do, but it was always like, Hey, got to go to school. Like I told you, like that's, that was my plan. I was supposed to go to school and I, I did for a little bit, but I was supposed to do, go on the trail of going to law school and come like being a lawyer and all that. That's what I really wanted to do. I still do want to do it, but I found what I like doing more. Yep. And having that conversation with my parents was a very rough one. Yeah, right? <laughs> <It> always <laughs> is. telling them like, "Hey, I'm dropping school to go play hockey," because that's what's that's how that's how my photography career ultimately took off. Was I stopped school to play hockey, and then when I broke my knee, that's when I like focused all my downtime because I'm in, I was in Missoula, like I wasn't just home. I couldn't just like be lazy and just have everything handed to me. Like, mm-hmm. Cause you know, when you're home, you got your family and stuff to help take care yeah, of you. you can lean on but somebody. yeah, but it was just me down there. And like, I had some roommates, but they were both hockey players as well. And so I, just, all right, I'm going to go to practice. I'm going to take some photos and stuff and video. And that's when I really started taking it. And it's just like, it was the coolest thing. Cause like all of a sudden I'd get these emails and stuff or as people texting me like, Hey, can you take photos of my family? Like I saw your work. The rink was reaching out like, Hey, can you take videos of like, this event that's happening, like these Halloween events, and it just it started spider webbing out, and it was like really cool to see. And uh, my good buddy John down there, he uh, his his family is in the Herbalife business, and uh, they kind of helped me get into that. So I worked at this, I worked at their smoothie shop for a little bit, and he was a photographer. But then he helped get my name out into that that community in that workspace. And so he helped me score a couple gigs with Herbalife up here in Alaska. And so last summer. I came up here and I was doing helicopter tours, like dog sledding, mm. bear tours. Like I was filming it all. And it was like, this is so cool. And you make all these little connections. And then like, that's how you start getting these gigs. And so I'd get, I'd get emails and stuff like, Hey, can you come like shoot for this? And I'm like, yeah. Like, and I, Oh, Hey, can you come be a second shooter at this wedding? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like that, like anything to get my name out there. I was doing even like it was, some of it was paid really well. Like the Herbalife stuff, dude, I got paid really well. 
It was amazing. Mm. And I was doing all that cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like the bear tours and stuff, those things are like 800 bucks a head. Yeah. Mm. And I was getting paid $1,000 on a day on top of that. Like, it yeah. was just, it was the coolest thing to kind of be able to experience. I was like, okay, this is like, this, this is viable. Is, this is the start. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is what I, this is what I can do. And Grant, it's not full time yet. Uh, it's still in the process, but it's like, it's cool to see like that it's there. And I've had, uh, I went down to South Africa and stuff mm. and did some did some stuff down there, but it was like it's the coolest thing to just start seeing it kind of roll together and build and I, it's the process that you you hope for mm. and you don't know when it's going to hit, but then it finally hits. Yeah, no, and it was cool getting to watch your process because I followed I've followed along like through your uh, just social media uh, ever since you you know from your original page and everything, and it was just cool getting to see that growth and. Uh, just, I mean, I remember at one point, you know, just scrolling through my feed and stuff, and it was like, oh, that, you know, that's a cool trip, cool. And then it seemed like in a three-month period, it was like, you know, take it, you know, helicopter trips over glaciers, all of a sudden, all these, uh, you know, bear shots, you're, you know, doing scuba shoots, you're down in Cape Town, South Africa. I was like, hold on. Time to fuck it. No, it was just cool getting to see the process, because, like, exactly, like, going from knowing absolutely nothing about it and honestly being like forced into it it was either do photography or don't graduate high school and uh, and then you <laughs> yeah. know just kind of being like this is neat you know teaching yourself i'm a huge advocate i've said it on here tons of times but youtube is invaluable like you i mean my my house that i just bought 100% through YouTube. All my personal finance stuff. I love geeking out about it. You know, I did a little bit of that in college, you know, basic investment courses, basic, you know, macro, microeconomics, that type of stuff. But none of it really like clicked with me until, you know, just YouTube University, Googling exactly what you said, plug in what you're interested in or what you think you might be into or what you need to know. And it's, you know, type it in. There's a video. You go down a rabbit hole. You start learning every little bits you can and then putting that into implementation, like going out instead of going out to the bar on a Saturday, going out and sitting out under the stars for eight hours waiting Freezing for my go- ass off. <laughs> Everybody's having fun, listening to loud music, getting drunk and everything. And I'm sitting there <laughs> exactly, hoping that the Northern Lights might show up. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And then hoping that your batteries aren't frozen by the time they show up. And hoping I press the button, right? Or yeah. if I know what I'm doing. Exactly. No. And just like going through the process, like putting in your, you know, 10,000 hours, like, putting the work in because everybody wants to be good at everything out of the gate. Nobody likes sucking at stuff. Like it's, it's a fucking bummer. Like it's not fun. You do a lot of work, get zero results. But once you see, like you said, the, your first picture that kind of clicks and then all of a sudden, you know, every one in a hundred pictures start turning out and all of a sudden it just kind of starts snowballing. And I mean, you've put it, you've surrounded yourself with other people in that, you know, in that field, in that industry. And you've, you know, grown through that you've networked you've made connections you know you're going out of your way to do stuff that might not be exactly what you want to do but it helps get the name out get the word out you have and to just do all that little dirty work to never say no to anything exactly. yeah, never say no yep. when you're when you're just starting out you have to you have to keep digging and it just it sucks sometimes like these there's some things it's like i don't want to take photos of that but you know what it pays <laughs> right yep. exactly. it, it it'll pays afford that next trip the I'm not getting paid for it, but it's going to be way cooler. I'm going to get better shots. It's something that I can put in my portfolio. It's something that when I do get an opportunity, I'm like, here, this is some of my work. Check this out. 
see if you like it. If you do, let's talk. Like, let's work from there. And it just, you know, it it lets you backfill, you know, kind of it gives you the credentials behind you yourself or that you know kind of that experience that you're like oh, i've done this i can shoot weddings i can do family portraits i can do you know action sports videos i can do underwater photography i can do this i can do that and it just it makes it to where no door is closed and that when an opportunity does pop up you can strike at it and you never know where it's going to lead it never knows you know you never know who you're going to meet who you're going to connect with and where that's going to take you in the future and you know that kind of that <laughs> You know, it gets cliche, but that like kind of hustle culture around it of just grinding it out, doing the dirty work, you know, putting your name out there, being obnoxious about it. If somebody yeah. you overhear a conversation, somebody looking for a photographer, I, I got You know, I got the equipment. I'm pretty, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. You know, dude, yeah. I almost scored getting another wedding while I was down in South Africa. Really? We were we were along this beach that had these really colorful little huts that went that stretched down the beach. It was like one of the coolest things you could see. And there was this couple there, and I forgot if it, if I was taking photos of my friend Hannah or if they came up to me. It, something started the conversation when they came up, and they're like, oh, you're a photographer and all that. And so they were like, we're getting married next year. And I was like, well, if you need photos, like, here's my Instagram and stuff. This is the last wedding I shot. And thank God my friends were – I shot my Bradley Wyeth, his little sister, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. I shot her wedding. And cool. it was – the coolest thing because they were so they were literally down to get dirty like yeah it was so cool we had an extra dress we brought in extra clothes we took the wheelers we went mudding and stuff for wedding photos Heck yeah. and it was just being able to have that creativity rather than just like there obviously there's the classic wedding photos we mm-hmm. did take those but it was like being able to like do that kind of like the more side thing that was more exciting mm-hmm. that made everybody that go spice to it yeah that know? made everybody go what the hell is that like that's cool. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, one of her bridesmaids, I'm shooting her wedding in on September 1st. And she kind of wants to do along the same thing, supposedly. So I can't wait to do that one. That'll be a lot of fun to kind of get that creativity. Also, it's a wedding. So it's like definitely stressful. I will be walking for a month. Too, right. So it's like, all right, I got this. <laughs> I'm confident in what I can do. But it's, it's really cool to kind of be able to play like that creative side of it and just be like, hey, are you down to like, go do this? And they, mm. if they're saying, yeah, it's like, I promise you the photos will look sick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no. And, oh, dude, when you do post, like, your end products and stuff, and even, you know, because you, you only post a select few to your Instagram. I mean, it's always tough keeping up with, so you know, everybody's different social medias and stuff. But the content that you do put out and the, you know, end products of the shoots you do, they, I mean, you it speaks for themselves. Sure. Like it, they come out so well and having that confidence to be like, you know, here's an, like, give me what you want to do. And like, I'll put in some input. We'll brainstorm. We'll make something freaking, you know, something that you'll remember for forever and something that's going to turn out and be like, no, nothing anybody else has. You know what I mean? And just having that creative flair and that little bit of spice to something just goes, you know, goes miles with that type of stuff. You don't know a little secret on my shoots? Heck yeah. Let's hear it. I'm on a whim every time. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, that's the best way because if you like, plan it out, they then you're just setting yourself they up come for disaster. They're, they're always like, hey, uh, like, I don't know any poses. And I'm like, oh, I know some. But in my head, I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm literally like, yeah, this looks cool. And just, right. I tell them, like, you should try like this. And I just kind of, I got, I got present myself confident and I do every time. And so they absolutely, like, they, 
they know they're working with a professional. Granted, me making up poses every single time I go out, I have maybe two that I kind of re- refer to every time, but I don't tell them that. I'm just like, yeah, we're going to go do this, we're going to do this, and then we're going to walk around and kind of see, lo- see the location and stuff. And it's really cool just to see them kind of get more comfortable because as soon as they're comfortable, that's where the good photos come in. It's not the poses. It's getting them comfortable in front of the camera first. Yep. So either that's me being goofy or just reassuring them like hey look this looks good or even after like i take a couple photos i show them like hey look and then they see it on the back of the camera they're like holy cow this is cool like i'm finally getting good photos and it's just kind of seeing that reaction and then showing them like oh we got a lot more coming like don't worry this is pretty cool (laughs) no i think that's the best way to do it with a lot of things because if you have you know your kind of 12 set poses you want to do it's easy to get like they might look great you know eight out of ten times but you kind of get stuck in that, you know, creative rut where it's you're doing the same stuff. You'll lose opportunity. Whereas, you know, if you're able to just be like, "Ooh, all right, you know, the lighting over here hitting the fireweed. Great. Do you know, just try this. You you stand here. Other person, you know, get down on a knee, you know, just brainstorm being able to move on the fly. That's when you get those true like once in a lifetime, like really unique shots where it's not just the same you know you look through a catalog and it's like oh that's a cool picture that's a cool mm-hmm. picture but nothing really like stands out as like that's freaking that you know that's it's epic. like that's unique it's just it's got its own like it just makes you a wow that's yeah, cool for sure you you see thousands of photos every we're surrounded by it now with social media you, mm. you're always seeing photos being taken and there's a lot trust me there's a lot of really good ones out there but once in a while there's always the one that you're like okay that's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the pictures in the wedding you mentioned. I saw them. I was like, that's unbelievable. I cannot believe that's a wedding. <laughs> right. Holy shit. And they stand out and people see that. The creativity is just above and beyond. Yeah. I know. We were, we, were in, we were in the lake and this was, I think it was the day, be- like the day before the actual uh, reception. Uh, it was the evening. So the sun went down and we went to go stand. And like, I was like, all right, let's go do some like long exposure, cool shots in the lake. And they're like, we got flares. And I was like, oh, even better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I literally, you should have, I should have taken a photo of the setup I had going. So I had my camera on a, I don't know. I didn't even have a tripod with me. I had my camera set up, I think on my backpack, like pointed up, hoping it was in the right spot because you can't see anything in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then I, ha- I literally held my phone flashlight over them. And then I had someone, s- I had uh, Felicity Jones stand behind them with the, fl- pop the flare and do a giant arc behind them. Cause I knew she wouldn't be lit up, mm-hmm. but they would be. And then my phone light, because it's a long exposure would brighten them up too. It was just like, I was like, I really hope this works out. And then it did. And I was like, Oh, this is so sick. We did a couple of them. We had like just different designs and stuff in the air. And it was, it was just really cool. Like that they're when they're willing to, to be, to be creative. It's one of the funnest things to do mm-hmm. when you, and especially and a lot of that comes down to like the client. Cause if people have, you know, you, there's always going to be those people that you're like, all right, what do you want to do? They're like, well, I want this, this, and this. And they're like, they're dead set on it. That's what it has to be. And, you know, sometimes, the, you know, that's not how the world works. Like if, you, you know, no matter, even if two of those three turn out at some, you know, to some extent, they're going to be disappointed because it didn't turn out exactly, you know, they didn't get the three exact shots they wanted. But being able to be, you know, flexible with that stuff and make, you know, be like, you know, to be honest, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but chances are it could be super epic. Yep. And like if you're willing to like roll with the punches, let's try and make this happen. That's when you get those just you know, those 
profile shots where it's like you can go to anyone in the world and be like this is the type of work i do and yeah it's like and that's why that's why i prefer adventure photography over anything because it's like mm-hmm. not only am i being creative out in a really cool location most of the time but i'm also with like-minded people that are also okay this is an epic place let's kind of let's see what we can do with it mm-hmm. and that's my favorite and being able to capture kind of behind the scenes and more candid shots are also really fun to do because it's like not when everybody's expecting a camera but when you travel with four, five, six people that everybody's a photographer, you're going to get some really cool shots that nobody's expecting because everybody's like, photos will be taken all the time. time. Yep. And I remember I took some last summer. They're, they're not the best photos, but they're some of my favorites. We were at Glacier National Park, and I had just met a couple new friends. And uh, we, were, I was, we, were eating, we were eating on the side of the road. We had stopped. And we were making like the mountain house food. I think her name was Haley. She, I think she had a stove in the back, like at the bed of her truck. And she was cooking up some food. And I was like, this is so cool. So I like stood back and like snapped a photo. And everybody's like eating and making food. And it was just, it's cool to kind of just kind of settle down. But also still show like, look how creative we're being right now. Like we're mm. in the middle of nowhere. We're making our food. We're enjoying what we're doing. And then as soon as we're done uh, eating, we're going right back out. We're hiking in several miles and we're taking all these photos. We're getting up early. We're diving into the lakes for fun. And it's like, it's such a fun uh, setting to surround yourself. If you're an adventurous person, cause like I understand there's a lot of people that aren't as adventurous and they prefer just kind of seeing the end product. They don't mm. want to go through the whole, oh, I'm starving, I'm freezing cold, like, <laughs> where are we sleeping tonight? <laughs> well, that, that's half, you know, that's, you know, that's more than half the journey. And that's yep. cool, because it is cool getting to see that, like you said, that end product. Everybody loves a cool, you know, picture, but they don't get to see the 40 hours that went into it of, you know. Hundreds blew, of miles of driving. Exactly, <laughs> blew three tires, you got up there, somebody forgot to pack food, so now we're all rationing. It's, you know, the weatherman lied, now we got eight inches of fresh snow, but, and it just... You know, there's so much. It's same thing with, you know, a hunting trip. Everybody loves to see the grip and grin at the end. They're like, oh, that's a huge sheep. That's awesome. They don't realize you hiked 100 miles. You've got blisters the size of Texas on your feet. <laughs> like, all the stuff that goes into it. And that's the real, you know, that's the real adventure and the real joy of it. And then the end product is just, you know, that's kind of the... Uh, the cherry on top. Exactly. It's just like, that's your little It's like, here's cool the piece. here's what you guys get to see. But only a select few know the true story behind what happened for this photo. And mm-hmm. uh, a good way to good way to put that is on my on my Instagram. There's obviously a point in time where I was mostly posting just South Africa, and I, I was in all these really cool locations. But the one spot I didn't photograph too well, and no photos are on there, is because my drone stopped working. Oh no! I was at the world's tallest waterfall, and. <laughs> I camped out at the world's tallest waterfall. I think it was like 984 meters up in the air. Oh, jeez. You're way the hell up there. And I got, it was some of the, like on my phone. So I used my phone and a controller to fly my drone. And I was, I told Hannah, because she had this red jacket and it just, it looked so good being contrasted with, it was so cloudy over the cliff and it was foggy, but you can see the red jacket on the, on the phone that what the drone is seeing is like, this looks so sick. Like mm-hmm. I can't wait to like go back and like when you take stuff like that, you're like, I can't wait to go see it on the computer. Like I want to see what it looks it's like. like yep. And so I'm filming, I did all these cool little dives and stuff with the drone and, um, 
if the weather just came in and it became really bad, dude, we're sitting on top of the world's tall, the world's tallest waterfall. That's way up yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we 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 were gonna we were camping for the night, and so we brought we brought the tent and we packed it up, or we we set it up, and we're sitting inside, and it's just sideways wind. I thought we were gonna get blown off the side of the face of the cliff, dude. It's just like I'm like, oh god, this is brutal. It's all night long, it's just not fun. And it was cold. Like, dude, you don't think Africa being cold. I had every layer on I had. My sleeping bag. I was bundled up. I had, you know, the mummy bag? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had just my nose sticking out. <laughs> I was like, my nose is freezing right now. <laughs> but anyway, so it's like, we do that. We spend the night. Wake up the next day. And the weather is nicer. And we finally get to hike back down. And part of this hike is, like, one of the sketchiest parts I've ever done for a hike. There was a ladder that was, like, a... It was a it was like iron bars with these giant circles on it, and it was probably 150 feet ish, 200 feet long, straight up. Yeah, that's and nope. there's no safety regulations <laughs> in this country. There's no OSHA in Africa. No. So there was there was two trails you can take. There was the long one that avoided that that went all the way around the mountain and up. Or you can take the or you can take the little ladder. And I was like, we're gonna take this. Oh, she was like, okay. We're taking the ladder. She was definitely the more, we're doing this one. And I was like, all right, we're going. <laughs> and so I looked at it. It was just straight up. You're climbing up. And, dude, when we were going, when we were going there, the wind was so bad. I was, I'd take a few few steps up and just hug against the ladder. I have my hiking bag on, so I'm like a little sail, right? Oh, I'm man. hugging against the ladder. I have my hat all, like, you know, all the way on so it doesn't fall off. <laughs> It's, I'm hugging the letters as hard as I can. And then as soon as it comes down a little bit, I'm like, okay, a few more steps. <laughs> and then I realize, I look down, and I'm like, I am way the fuck up here right now. <laughs> oh, I was, epic. I had never been more nervous about a hike ever. But I was like, all right, I, I'm a man. I, I can do this. <laughs> I'm already halfway up. I'm not going back down. <laughs> and so like, I, <laughs> we, we end up going all the way up. And so we get, we get up to this first spot. It stops and there's literally just this U bar of rebar in the ground that you grab onto to pull yourself onto this first rock. And then there's another ladder up. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, we're only halfway. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The wind is just blowing and blowing. And so we, uh, I was like, all right, fine. Like, let's just go the rest of the way up. We hike up. We get to the top and it's kind of like the the way the mountain was is it kind of blocked. It shot the wind over us. Mm. So it wasn't too bad until we got further on the flat spot where it got towards the waterfall and then it was just like sideways wind but it was really cool because when we got there it wasn't foggy yet and it was just you're on top of the world like i i'm really curious what everest looks like because this was just it was a cliff straight down the mountains look small and that the mountains right below you look small and it was the coolest thing to see and so while hannah was down uh towards the actual like the stream to the fall I went up and walked up, walked up a little bit, and I was like, "I have an idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna break the record for the world's tallest waterfall." So I hiked up higher and peed off the cliff. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so I, nice. I took my phone. There's a video on my. I think it's on my TikTok. I was like, I took it. and I was like, "All right, guys." And you can hear the wind howling. I was like. I'm at the world's tallest waterfall right now. You can see it. And I like, point to it. I was like, it's about like 984 meters. I think I was probably up another 15, 20 meters higher. And 
walk over and I was like, I'm gonna break the record for the world's tallest waterfall, and you could see me peeing yeah. <laughs> over the edge. Uh, like I turned the camera back around, I was like, Yep, it's done. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. I mean, you gotta you gotta do this thing. It's the fun little like nobody's ever gonna see that kind of detail, mm. and it's just. The stories that you see behind it. And granted, I don't have any photos from that place. It's just the weather was so bad. It was either just direct sunlight. Nothing looks good in that. And then when it gets dark, it's, it's dark. dark. <laughs> yeah. And if when things don't line up, they don't line up for photos. But that's okay. Uh, but having the kind of stories and just the little clips that I do have are just like, that was such a fun adventure. It was miserable but oh my i would definitely do it oh, again yeah. that's the best trips are that way you just sure. you know it's a grind you look back and like that was you know we might have been in danger we definitely weren't prepared oh my God, dude. and like you know but the, it's so worth it in the end the amount of times we were told do not stop on the like do not stop on the this is in uh i think south africa for sure it might be like the lower half of africa in general never pull onto the side of the road or stop for anything because people will come up to you and they're the gangs there are very violent, especially against white people. Mm-hmm. Right. I stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> You're like, eh, me very white. <laughs> and especially cause I don't have a European accent. So I, I, I also don't sound like I'm from there. Cause there's a, there's a, there's a, the population of white is very high there, mm-hmm. but they're yeah, all British colony. Exactly. They, yeah. They're, they're from the area. You, they have the accent and everything. So like, as soon as you talk to them, you know, who's been there or who's from there. And me on the other hand, people are literally asking, you have an American accent. Where are you from? <laughs> but anyway, we're on the side. We're, we're going up the highway because we, we flew from Cape town to, uh, Durban and we landed in Durban, spent the night and we rented a car the next day and we were going to drive, I think, it was a couple hundred miles to get to the waterfall location. And the amount of times we had been told, especially because I met a couple other filmmakers down in Cape Town, they were like, do not stop on the side of the road. Do not stop for anything. Like, it's a very sketchy place. Just drive to your destination and make sure you're, like, always doing things in a crowded area where people can see you, right? And we're going, we're going. She's driving, and keep in mind, we're on the left side of the road. And I was a little sketched out about being on that side, and it's just... When I'm not driving, I'm always nervous. Yep. I prefer being the driver. And anyway, we hit this bolt on the road, pop our tire. And not mm. only did we pop our tire, we shattered our rim. Oh, shitty. Yeah, Big it went shitty. straight through the whole thing. <laughs> and so it's like, clunk. And so we, I, I was like, all right, just pull over. And like in that, it was a, thank God we're going through a little smaller, uh, a slower section of highway. And there was a turn. So we pulled off that and we're literally, so there's, the road either keeps going straight through or it turns and then there's also a turn from the other way. So we're like in this, we're in the middle of this little weird triangle kind of mm. intersection. I was like, drive up onto that because it was a little median. Drive up on that. I'll change the tire. So I got out of the car and I'm like changing that tire as fast as I could because I was like, somebody's going to come up to us. Somebody's going to come up to us. <laughs> Getting murdered. It's going to happen. I know. And I'm like, I don't want to get murdered here. <laughs> this is not where I end. Uh, but I got the tire changed, and oh my god, that was such a hassle. So we went, we went to the, we paid for tire coverage, but tire coverage does not cover rims. Right, it covers flat tires. <laughs> so we go to the tire shop uh, that was just literally, I think, less than a mile around the corner, and we're talking to the guy, and he's helping us out. And he goes, "So we don't have any of those rims in stock," and so we called the the dealership where we were renting the car from. And they're like, "All right, you need to bring the car back." We're like <laughs> hundred something miles. It was a couple hour drive. We're a couple, yeah. And 
we're like, all right, well, we only have a spare tire now, right? It's a full-size spare, so thank God we were able to go the speed limit. But it was like, if anything happens, we're toast. It was, mm. we've already hit a bolt and shattered. It's not just pop. I can fix a pop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shattering a rim and then also being in a country where we don't have cell service everywhere we go and just not knowing anything. Like in the U.S., a grocery store has everything you can think of. Mm. In other countries, a grocery store has simply food. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's complete, it's a completely different setup. We don't know anything. We don't speak the languages either. And thank God most people there speak some English. And it was just like, okay, well, we need to go back. And so we went back, spent the night again. Back, We went back to Durban, backtracked, went to the rental place, got a, the same car, but it was a different one, and then took it back off to go the other direction to get back to the waterfall. <laughs> so Crazy. we were supposed, yeah, because I think we were supposed to spend, we were either spend one night up there and then do a longer backpack that was going to be two or three nights. Uh, through, oh, what are they called? Oh, some crazy mountain range that she wanted to hike, and like, it looked epic, but we were like, mm-hmm. with the delay we had by a full day, we ran out of time, so we couldn't do that. So we did, we went to some other uh, cool little park place that honestly looked like Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was straight up rainforest. It was beautiful. We stayed at this one house. It was, this dude was so wild. He was like, uh, oh, he was telling us stories about how because he there's chimpanzees mm-hmm. and they're everywhere. They so he lives right on the cliff and there's a whole ravine like right in front of his house. And he says the chimpanzees live down there and they know that he's in charge, but there's also an alpha down there. And so once in a while they kind of go at it. <laughs> but he's telling us like how this how these chimpanzees would come up and he would have to chase them off or how. Uh, Cows would kind of wander into the yard. He said he he has a pool. He said one day he came out and there was chimpanzees and cows in his pool. <laughs> it was the weirdest what thing. What a nuisance! Yeah, <laughs> right. And then he was like pointing. There's these caves down there that like the natives from when they first came down through the area. There's cave paintings and stuff in it, and it was like the coolest thing. He was telling all these stories, and uh, apparently in the area we were in it was essentially a battleground too, and they're still at war. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this is cool. Like, I kind of feel safe. And he goes, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. No shots have been fired for a while. And I was like, how long is a while? (laughs) He didn't respond to that one. God damn it. That's ridiculous. That'd be a crazy experience. Just, I've always wanted to go down to South Africa. I've got some family in Namibia. And I've always. family in Namibia? Yeah, they do uh, missionary work over there for, uh, it's uh, a. I think the company's called uh, Visions Worldwide or Visionaries Worldwide. I think I've but uh, they they do a lot of like well work and stuff over there. But I've been wanting to get over to Africa so bad just Dude, to see the wildlife. I've see legit the thought about and, uh, having a place out in Cape Town. I yeah. liked it so much. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was like one of the coolest, most beautiful places I've been. And now I'm like I've I've traveled a lot and I've seen quite a bit of things. I haven't seen Europe yet. Like that's mm. still on the list. But it's like. I would live in Cape Town yeah. if I wanted to. Yeah, from your pictures, it looked epic. And, and it's, it's just dude, like a cool... The people are the nicest there. Yeah. It's so sweet. Granted, there is still danger. Um, what, this sucks, and it's not to put a whole negative thing on Cape Town. Mm-hmm. But while I was out scuba diving, Hannah was actually going... Because I, I have my advanced license. I can just go with a with a group. I did check dives, and I was all set. And while I was out diving all day long, uh, I came back. She was like, all right, let's meet at this restaurant. 
get some food. And I was like, all right. So we meet up. How was your day? And she was like, oh, she was asking me that. And I was like, I told her about the literally diving with penguins. Like, I was on another planet. It was the coolest thing. Like you see the penguins and then you see seals in other places. And saw we didn't see sharks. No, we did see sharks. We saw these weird little baby sharks that kind of stay in the kelp. But we went through kelp forests where just it was so cool. You kind of go through it, mm. and all the people, the dive crew was so friendly. And I was telling her about all this, and I was like, "How was your day?" And she just kind of like quieted down, and she just, she just started crying. And I was like, "What happened?" She goes, "I got mugged." And I was oh. like, "Are you what? You didn't lead with that." <laughs> <laughs> You ordered an appetizer before bringing that up? (laughs) Okay, here's... This sounds so bad. We made a bet on the plane to Cape Town. (laughs) Whoever got mugged first (laughs) got dinner or that meal bought for them. (laughs) That's fair. At least they didn't have to buy the meal. So So we already had this, like... This bet in place, but I totally spaced out on what it. Everybody's asshole. been you manifested I, I, that. I, I, I totally did. I feel so bad. But she sat there and she just kind of. They cut her with a knife. Four guys went after oh. her. Yeah, and they said like they grabbed her. She was wearing this. Uh, I don't. I should know the name because it'd be a great promotion for them because they didn't end up taking it. But this slash proof purse oh, that wow. she was wearing, and the one guy was like trying to wrestle it off. You give gift to me, and like 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 trying to cut it. And while I was trying to cut it, he cut her. So she had this knife cut on her arm and everything, and she's just, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm out here having the best time of my life right now, and you're dealing, like, with being attacked. Thank God she didn't just get drug off and yeah, disappeared. Yeah, no kidding. That could have gotten there, way worse. It was the other four or five of them came around the corner. She was doing, like, a shortcut to this coffee shop she was heading to, but she said she saw some girls come out, and so she thought it was fine. And so she went on, she went down the alleyway and then saw all these four or five people, the uh, guys come around the corner and kept walking towards her, but she didn't, she didn't veer away. She just thought everything was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I told, I totally agree. If you see other people coming out, it's just like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And it's mm-hmm. broad daylight, but also you're in what's ranked as the dangerous, most dangerous city in the world too. Things can happen, and mm. we were down in the Cape Flat, so it was, it was definitely sketchy. We've been told to stay away from the Cape Flats, <laughs> <laughs> and so I I didn't know where that was until literally about a month ago when I was uh, watching a little film from one of my favorite filmmakers that lives down there. He did a video on the Cape Flats, and he made a map and sh- did a circle around it. Mm. And I was like, Oh my god, we were right like, there. That's where we stayed the whole time. <laughs> Although we, dude, we literally, we moved around probably six or seven times. We didn't stay in one place the entire time, which was so cool, being able to be on the move and try all these different mm. Airbnbs. But then it was when we were staying in this one spot, we didn't realize, it sounded like it was a good spot. The building was really nice. And then, so like, I went out, hopped in an, Thank God Uber's there. And it's dirt cheap too, right? <laughs> I would not trust getting in any other service. And so like, I, I hopped in the Uber and I went diving and it just, it was kind of like, I was comfortable enough doing that on my own. Everybody seemed friendly, but then hearing that, I was like, okay, like it, I'm already very street aware after what happened to me in Seattle, mm. but it's like, holy cow, like now my, my sentence, my sentences were heightened to another level. I was like, okay, this is, it's a little sketchy now. Okay, like where am I in this world? <laughs> Just a constant state of stress. Yeah, no, it it kind of was. Especially she would get these. She really okay. It was funny at night. She would get uh, hungry for like specifics, like chocolate or 
I some other kind of sweets that she really wanted. And Do you I have was, a kid out there. Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing happened. I just pickles and peanut butter. Pickle no. juice. <laughs> just snow cones. No. no, dude, but it was it was so funny. She'd like get these cravings and I'm like and I was like, girl, it's dark out. I'm not going outside. <laughs> You're like, screw plus, your Hershey's bar. We're not getting right. Hershey's and I was like, bar. plus, I don't know what these stores carry. Everything's in a different language. Like, it's you. You don't know what's for sale. Where things are for sale. We went. We're, she's like, oh, there's a grocery store just down the road. And I was like, all right, like let's go take a walk. <laughs> so we're walking down. And like, I dude, there was there's some there was some pretty sketchy looking people on that walk. And uh, the thing with the culture there is they. They, especially the guys, they really catcall women there, mm. and they disrespect women a lot, and so it's it's a definite culture shock hearing that. But she was dude, she was a trooper. She would just walk right through it, and like you'd hear all these things being said at her, and uh, it's like oh my god, like I just I had like I didn't say anything. I didn't want to like act like I reacted or anything, but mm. I'm and I was just like yep, I'm I'm with this girl. We're going this way, and nobody messed with me. I was kind of like puffing up my chest, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> It's like posturing to get some dude, brown I had, bear. I had, my knife, <laughs> I had my knife in my pocket, and I was like, "I'm ready to go." You just, you just sit when. <laughs> and so like, we went to this little deli, and oh, okay, little backstory first. When we first landed in Cape Town, uh, we we took an Uber from the airport to our to our Airbnb we were staying at. And keep in mind, the city's dark, like oddly dark like there's no power kind of dark <laughs> damn we yeah no we showed up and our uber was like this is your exit like this is where you go and, like it's black and i'm there. like i'm like that's our place he goes yeah <laughs> no fucking lights and i was like i was like it's dark <laughs> normally i'm not scared of the dark but now i am and uh so we we walk in and there's a guy sitting at the like we go through the 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 little gate and everything's gated. So we go through the gate, we open the door and we go in and he's like, do you have res- reservation? And I was like, yeah, we do. And then we uh, showed him on the Airbnb app that we, ha- that we were booked. And then he goes, Oh, okay. Welcome to South Africa. We have load shedding. And I was like, I was like, what? And he goes, load shedding. I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. Are you saying load shedding? Like I, like, <laughs> It wasn't. It was not clicking in my head what what he was Yo, saying. I don't know the words. Coming and it, out and of he goes, mouth. he goes. We have load shedding. We sell our power to other countries, so we don't have power. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, how long is this supposed to be? Guys, four hours <laughs> every day. <laughs> so there's sections of the city that are all in rotation for when their load shedding happens, and it's was definitely kind of interesting that we. Discover this our literally first minutes in the yeah. country. We land in the airport, get an Uber, and, and we le- arrive at our place, and it's just dark. <laughs> I'm like, well, where do we go eat? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> Find places with lights, they have generator. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we literally, we went, on, we went on Google Maps or whatever, and we were, we were looking around, and it's starting to get late, and... Uh, we're like, okay, this place is closed, closed, closed. All these places were saying closed. And I was like, why don't we just take an Uber down to the town, down to the part of town where there's the most things surrounding it for food-wise, and we'll find something. So we took an Uber down, and we found the one, there was one restaurant with lights on. We're like, they got a generator. <laughs> <laughs> so we go in, and we, we walk in, and uh, it was like a burger joint. It was pretty sweet. They have a lot of Americanized food there, and uh, it was it was their food. Oh, my delicious yeah i don't know what the, they they make it different it's 
so much better. (laughs) It's probably fresh. (laughs) (laughs) So we go and we're eating our food. And then like I ordered, I ordered some kind of drink and the straw was kind of weird. And I was like, this is not a, this is not a plastic straw and it's not a paper straw. So I kept looking at it and I'm like drinking my drink. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, my straw is a fucking noodle. <laughs> they were legit using noodles as straws. Like big, like, linguine noodles? Or Long like- noodles <laughs> that were like straws. Dude, and so I was like, I like sipped, and then I went crunch, and started eating my straw, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing. <laughs> Multi-purpose. But also, we got weird looks for eating burgers with hands. What? Yeah, dude, they eat their burgers. A lot of the places there, they eat burgers with like a fork and knife. They cut it up. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going to town on this thing. I look up, there's a couple people staring at us. And I'm like, what's going on? They're like, uncivilized guys American. Are fucking <laughs> I know. They're like, they're eating with their hands. What is this? <laughs> fucking heathen probably, probably doesn't even have a generator at home. It's <laughs> open. <laughs> nah, dude, I got a backpack. <laughs> Oh my god! I got a portable power bank. That's my generator. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh. gosh. So we like so we eat our food. We go back home, and it's still dark. And we're like, I don't like all of our electronics were about to die. And I was like, okay, well, when's the power going to come back on? We weren't getting a straight answer. <laughs> and he was like, four hours. Okay, whenever the four hours. It was well past four hours. We still didn't get the power. <laughs> Every back. time you asked, it's four hours. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it was. And the next day we woke up and uh, power was back, thank God. I think it turned on in the middle of the night because I remember it was like, whoa, all right, power's back. (laughs) But woke up the next day and we went on to, we did some hikes around the area and just, well, no, we didn't do hikes. We just literally walked around the city and just, it took in all the, like, the culture and their food and stuff. Oh my God, dude, there was this little chocolate shop and I'm telling you, chocolatiers, dude, they would sit there and it was the best tasting chocolate I've ever had in my life, but Everything wasn't everything was chocolate. No matter what it was, it was chocolate. And we had these like drinks and stuff that were complete like chocolate shakes and these sweets that they added with it. It was just so tasty. The people were so nice and but everything's dirt cheap. Yeah. So it's about so they do it's twenty Rand, that's what their currency is mm. is Rand. Twenty Rand to one US dollar. So you'd go out to eat <clears throat> Our first night, we I bought I bought a Kobe beef burger for six bucks. <laughs> Damn, <Scored. laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I can't get a McDouble for six bucks, <laughs> dude. I was like, this is unreal. This, like, holy cow! Like, we can I can afford this, <laughs> dude. I have seven dollars. <laughs> Hell yeah! I know. I was like, I can I can splurge, and I was eating a couple. Like, I would order two meals every time we went out. And that was about maybe the price of not even one meal in the U.S. And I was like, this is so sweet. And we we didn't know, I don't think tipping is really part of their culture, but we would still tip, I don't know, about between 10 to 20%, kind of depending on how it was or how much it was anyway. Mm-hmm. And But it'd be like a 20% tip would be 20 grand, and that's a dollar, yeah. right? But they'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, guess what, dude? <laughs> any, any time. Like, oh, you want more? Right. <laughs> I, like, I kind of felt like a dick giving you <laughs> I thought that was low, but all right. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. That's the coolest thing about travel. I love traveling for just, like, absorbing the culture. And I love eating food anywhere I go. Like, I'm just, I'm a fat kid at heart. So I just love just destroying food and traveling anywhere and just, like, 
getting to see the culture, getting to, you know, taste the different things all over, small things like, you know, the chocolate shop, stuff like that, or little, you know, cool little cafes and stuff like that. It just makes traveling so interesting and just like getting to absorb, you know, what that culture is and getting a little hole in the wall restaurants or little dive bars and stuff that you know go in and especially you know being we know we're very fortunate being from america and our dollar goes a long ways in you know most the world to where you can travel somewhere like that and be on a really you know pretty tight budget and still be able to do everything you want and then then some usually and kind of live a you know a little more lavish of a stuff you know go out to eat and order two kobe beef burgers and be like (laughs) no problem i'll slap you a five for a tip and make your day too dude i was eating three meals a day out i we probably made three meals in the entire time we were there and i was there for a month i went from halloween to thanksgiving that's so cool that's crazy yeah and it was just like three grand took was including my flights and local flights in the country was about three grand for the entire trip for an entire month. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Like, <laughs> not gonna lie, I would do that again. Yeah. Oh, without no, a dude. Doubt. You the uh, cool thing is too is like the Airbnbs. I found like you can rent up, you can rent out straight up mansions for just a couple hundred bucks a month. <laughs> that that. So I cool. I was looking at places that literally had like eight to twelve bedrooms. <laughs> And if you had eight to twelve people coming with you, it'd probably range around four or five hundred bucks a month per that, person. That and I'm crazy. like, man, you get a group of just a couple people that like a solid group of people that want to go, but then only want to spend five hundred to eight hundred bucks a month for a mansion to live in, right. and then just like go do whatever, yeah. eat like kings every single day. Like that's the it was the coolest thing to experience and. Knowing that, like, the, the our visas allow us to be there for 90 days before we have to step back in America is like, all right, I can, if I wanted to go for the winter, I could, or three months, any time of the year, it's pretty sweet that you can go just get up and go do that if you really wanted to. Exactly. And it's, it's a really cool place in the world. Like, like, if no matter what you enjoy, like, uh, especially when it comes to, like, outdoors, you can go into, like, Johannesburg. There's great hunting out of there, fishing off, you know, the uh, Cape down there, great tuna fishing, stuff like that, scuba diving, photography. Like, just, you know, it sounds like an amazing place where it'd be, you know, somewhere where, like you said, if you, especially with, a, you know, kind of a lifestyle you live, you know, kind of professional photography, that type of stuff. And it's like, yeah, if you want to disappear for a month or two out of the year, yeah. and it's like, you know, I've got a couple thousand dollars I could I would totally to set up a fund and, in, like, my finances to, like, this is, like, my, I'm going to take off for a month. Kind of, Like, I know I only need three grand. Right. <laughs> and you tight. can go make amazing content and, like, do what yeah. you enjoy and go experience And now I have friends culture. down there, too. Like, I have this, uh, I so I told myself I would never buy a master class unless it was from this one person for videography mm. and he finally came out with a course and it was like at the time i bought it for a thousand bucks and i was like this is pretty sweet like and it literally gives you a connection with everybody who's in the group and it's only a couple thousand people in the entire oh, wow. world it's a very small group he only they only let in so many applications and so i i got invited to the facebook page i put i i put a post up when i was arriving to cape town i was like hey like i'm in cape town uh if anybody any other filmmakers here want to meet up and go create something like let me know and this dude mark hit me up and he's like dude like let's go let's go do something i'm located here and i was like sweet so he picked us up a couple days later and we went out we like to the beach we did we hiked a lion's head mountain and just having like a friend Mm kind of show you around more of the local area 
was so cool because we did like we did this drives and stuff that I would have never gotten to see if it weren't for him. And then, uh, so what was cool is get, we got a look. We got pretty close with him, and a couple of nights. I think it was it was our last week in Cape Town. Um, I was out at a. I got invited to like an international model birthday super like international supermodel birthday party. That's what it was. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would I recommend. never in my life <laughs> thought I would be a part of that <laughs> dude i showed up to this place and it was like the the birthday girl's the one that invited me to and i i showed up in this like there was they were there was security keeping people out and she worked the restaurant but it was like her night so they pretty much gave the restaurant floor to her to have his party and i guess they go pretty hard with their parties and the security was like no like you're not allowed in and i went up and i was like oh Becca invited me, and he goes, "Oh, I was told about you. Come on in, <laughs> right? VIP status." I, know, I was like, "I was like, oh my god!" And then, dude, I walked in, and it was like thirty to forty of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And I'm just like, "How did I get here? <laughs> what did I do? Right? Like, how do I do this again?" Karma Bank is empty. I know. I, know. I, I was just like, "This is," and like I. I was I've learned how to socialize at parties through the fraternity when I was at university, and so I was kind of able to just like go up and start talking to people, and I met several people from Love Island there. <laughs> I became friends with them, and one of them I still talk to today, because uh, he is getting into photography and videography, and like I literally sold him one of my lenses and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a he's a fitness model and stuff, and I was like, this is insane that like. I just said yes to go into this random party in another on literally the opposite side of the world from Homer. Yep. I looked it up. <laughs> Dude, I legit is a little side further. Little sidebar. I texted my mom. I was like, "Can you put a piece of bread on the floor?" And she's like, "Why?" And I was like, "Cuz I'm going to put a piece of bread on the floor and make an earth sandwich." <laughs> <laughs> and we did. She sent me a photo of it and I put mine down and I was like, "Boom." <laughs> 7 it. billion people between us. <laughs> That's crazy. So I looked it up, and uh, the furthest point from Homer, Alaska, is Cape, Cape Town. Cape Town? That's insane. So that's it's so kind of cool. cool to be able to say, I've been on the opposite side of the world, farthest from home. Yeah, that's that's insane. No. Yeah. Oh, man. That is... Experiences like that, like, if you just don't go out and just be vulnerable, be go expose yourself, shit happens. Like, things yeah. happen, being, you know, a likable individual, talk to people, take, you know... If you get invited to a random house party, you know, vet it out, but say yes, because you yeah. never know. Catch never your boy no. on season 12 well, of a Love Island. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. So I was like, so uh, Hannah, the girl I was traveling with, uh, we were st- we, we rented out a really nice Airbnb, Airbnb for, I think it was one, maybe two nights. And I was like, hey, I'm going to this party, because she was there when I got invited. The girl was our waitress. And... Uh, She's like, no, I'm just gonna have the night in. And just she went like we've been literally together the entire time, and it was kind of nice to have the space because Grant, I had never met her until this trip, so we were kind of just thrown into each other's lives for this month. And so she's like, oh, I'm just gonna have some alone time and kind of just be by myself and just have a quiet night. She got some wine and stuff and just watch movies. Or I don't, I think so. She watched movies or whatever. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going downtown, and it was like a. 40 minute uber from where i was to the location and uh keep in mind okay so the country has curfew at midnight oh yeah because of covid ah. covid exists after midnight for that no no joke like we would be having these like literally these massive parties and 
during that birthday party, while I was there, my buddy Mark, the other the filmmaker, he texted me. He's like, bro, there's a, a rugby game going on right now. We're down at the bars. You should come watch. And he was at the bars on the other side of the city <laughs> on the water. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to go to that. So I like, went around. I hung out for about 20 more minutes at the birthday party. And I was there for a good amount of time. Like, mm. I met a lot of people there. And so I went over and I said bye to Becca, the girl, and uh, to the guys as well. Hopped in the Uber, went to this other bar, and dude, holy cow, you think the Super Bowl is exciting? A A single rugby game (laughs) in these countries is off the charts. Like, dude, I've never been in part of a bar where it's just, "Ah!" everybody's just yelling, cheering, and it was like, it was getting rowdy, and it's just people would bump into you and stuff, and it's like not something you'd really experience in America, where someone bumps into you, like, "Yo, what the hell, man!" Like, watch mm. it. There, it was like, ah, it was like a mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it was like it was the coolest experience. Experience because like I showed up, and Mark's like, "All right, I'll meet you outside," because I had no idea where I was going. Mm. So I'll meet you outside. So he, he met me there. We walked in. They had three towers of beer. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Every, dude, every table had multiple towers of beer, and it was like they're like, oh, they're all of his buddies were rowdy and hella drunk, and then it, like the the rugby game went on, it finished, and I remember it was like, okay, it's like ten thirty, and I'm a distance away from home, and curfew is about to come up, and like they the police pull anybody over on the streets right after midnight. It's just it's strict lockdown. And I, I, no. yeah, no, it, it really is <laughs> because time. Becca was inviting me over to. She moved the party from the uh, restaurant there. The, from the restaurant to her house, <sighs> and I was like, I don't know if I can get in trouble in this country. Oh, like, dude, for for a world <laughs> supermodel, worth it. Go I know, to jail, dude, brother. Dude, I was like, <laughs> tens for tens, man. <laughs> I know. I was I was seriously contemplating it, but I was also about an hour drive from where I was staying. Yeah, that's and tough. I was like. <laughs> You know, this is my first time being living on the other side of the world with nobody I know and no connections. Yeah, that's a tough place to be in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And that's I was like, and Kumar shit, man. I know. And I was like, I've already like I've already experienced a fun party. I went out to the bars like, like at a second location, watched the rugby yeah. game. I like I've had a full night, and I was very happy for where I was sitting at it. And I was like, this is just a fun experience. I'm no need path. to push that. Push I, that. Limit. I'm not going to push that luck. You know, <laughs> right. I, I had a like. I've had a great time. I don't want to end this with being like my one phone call. If you even get that to <laughs> right. someone in the U.S., hey dad, can you get me out of Cape Town prison? <laughs> what were you? What were you doing? I was like past curfew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell you how that phone call would have gone. <laughs> gone with my dad. Uh, go fuck yourself. Quick. <laughs> Dude, I would I would have probably got chewed out, and then I'd be like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop talking. I just need help. <laughs> Chew me out later. I just need help. <laughs> I understand I'm in trouble. You're I like, will I'm hear the about it later. Person in this Let's room. fix this now. <laughs> like, I got. I'm arrested. Yeah, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> help, please. I got that part. Yeah. They're punishing me right now. Like we don't, we don't need to go any further. I'm the smallest guy in this room. It's no. not going to go over. Right? Right? <laughs> you all seen that photo? <laughs> These peach underwear going to backfire real quick. <laughs> the eggplant uh, is a serious. <laughs> oh god, no, uh, that sounds wild. So when are we going? Um, <laughs> I got, I got some airline miles. Wait, wait, I need to <laughs> right. No. Next summer, let's do it. Hey, I'll, I'll block it out. I won't break <laughs> my leg next time. <laughs> Shit. No, that is absolutely insane. And it's just like, that's the coolest thing about doing anything adventurous, whether it's, you know, outdoors, photography, you know, just 
being being willing to travel, do stuff, you open the door for whatever. You don't know what it like. I'm sure going into that trip, you you bought a plane ticket and because you were telling me, dude, before, my heart sunk after I bought the ticket. Yeah. I pushed, I pushed purchase, and I was like, shit, what did I do? I'm leaving tomorrow. <laughs> I was like. Uh okay, what now? Like, I need to pack. Like, I don't even know what to pack. Like, I, yeah, I was like, I don't. I've never been to this country. I've never been. I've I've been out of the U.S. a lot. I've never been on the other side of the planet, <laughs> and I've never traveled with someone I've never met before either. Right? Right. I really hope she's not six four, hairy, and a dude. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, I have seen so many like accounts, uh, like, these travel accounts. Are like, oh yeah, like I went on this travel with this person I've ever, never met before, and I was like, oh, I'm never gonna do that. It's so <laughs> fucking dumb. crazy. A month Three l- weeks later, yeah, a month <laughs> later, here I am. I haven't made that video yet, but you know, I- <laughs> but no, that's what it's all about. Because especially since you know we're all young and being able to you know not tied down, don't have any like, you know, we have responsibilities, but not having something that's like. Hey, you can't go fuck off for a month. Like you got, you got real responsibility. Being able to take advantage of that and just go experience life, whatever that means to whoever you are. Like just being able to be go on a whim and just go do some crazy stuff and let it happen. And start small too. If you're working those nine to fives, dude, take your weekends to go. Go do something. If you get up. Three day weekend, go make an adventure out of it. You know, yep. don't be like, oh, I need to. The dishes can wait another three days. Screw them. Like, yep. go do something cool. Memories last forever. Dishes will suck for forever. So, <laughs> no, you're not getting rid of those yeah. no matter what. <laughs> exactly. No dishwasher is nice enough to eradicate that. So, no, that's awesome. I wanted to touch on one last story before we got off here. I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, you brought it up just briefly earlier. You had a really sketchy uh, situation happen uh, three, four years ago now um, when you were living in Washington. And if you don't mind, I'd love you know to share that with the listeners and just like kind of get into that just a little bit because that's definitely something that sh- – Definitely would have changed my life, and for I'm sure, sure changed oh, yeah. your life. For you, you, you think know. about everything differently now. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? Uh, not everybody knows this. Well, a, a few people do. I try to i I try to talk about it and not kind of be like, "Oh, I'm not going to talk about that." If it comes up, it comes up, and I don't mind talking at all. And it helps me rather than kind of bottling it up and just that never happened. Mm-hmm. So what happened was uh, it started out. Uh, my friend Anna. Uh, we were friends, and she had, like, a Snapchat story of, like, this coolest birthday cake. I think I, it was just so elaborate. And I, I literally, I slid up, and I was like, oh, that that's pretty cool. And, she, and then she responded, she's like, hey, you should come on by and, and come hang out. And I was like, all right. Like, I got nothing else going on tonight. Granted, I'm, what, 18, 19 years old and just in college in a frat. And, like, I have nothing else going on. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I walk up to her place. I didn't have a car at the time. And, uh... We hang out at this party, and then a couple hours later, she's like, hey, do you mind walking me home? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, I'm not, like, I know there has been crime in the area, and, like, I'm not going to, if a girl asks me to walk them home, I'm never going to say no. Like, even if it's 2, 3 in the morning, I will get up and go walk them home to make sure they get home safe. I never thought I'd have to worry about myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I walk her home, and it's, I think it's around 3 in the morning. And uh, we're, she made some tea and stuff as a thank you and hang out for a little bit. Her friend came with us and then her friend took an Uber from her place back to her, back to hers. 
And uh, so I was like, all right, everybody's home. Like, I'm going to head back now. I start walking, and then we get to this intersection. I think it was um, 47th and 50th, I think the street was. No, 47th, no, 50th and 19th. That's what it was. And uh, there's a red flashing light there, and I remember I was walking at this intersection in this little white, I think it was like a Honda Civic, to be honest, came through the intersection, uh, stopped, and then went through, but they were on the path that I was going to where my uh, my fraternity was. And so I take the left, and I'm walking down, and I saw the car stop, and a guy went up the stairs, and I thought, like, oh, it's just like an Uber dropping the guy off. I didn't, literally didn't even think much about it. And so I keep walking, and the car does a U-turn, and, well, what I thought was a U-turn, and they did a full 360 and tried running me into the house. They tried hitting me with their car first. So I jump back, and I'm like, oh, what kind of idiot driver are you? You almost hit me. Like, how drunk are you? And as soon as I was kind of, like, saying that, I got hit from behind, and I didn't know what it was at the time. And so I I turned around, because I was like, it took me down on my knees instantly. It was, bam, down on my knees. I turn around. The guy is in mid-swing to hit me again, and I it was a machete. And so I've already been stuck in the head once with a machete now, and the guy's in mid-swing to finish me, right? So I grab his his wrist mid-swing, get up, push him back, and I threatened him. I was like, hey, I got a knife. You want to go? And this was the one time I had not been armed. I did not have a knife on me, but I threatened him with nothing. <laughs> the dude was The dude, like, was surprised that I obviously got up, took a couple steps back, and as soon as he gave me that space, I took off running as fast as I could. And, dude, I've, I don't think I've ever run as fast as I could in my life. I was hopping fences. I was running, like, weaving between cars and, like, parking lots and stuff. I ran about seven blocks. I looked at the map Jesus. of what I did. Two guys chased me on foot. The other two chased me in a car. And as soon as I started running, the, the guy who seemed like the leader of them uh, yelled, shoot him. And so they started trying to shoot at me and stuff. And I was like, nope, zigzag. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've watched movies, bitch. <laughs> I know. It's like, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get shot today. And the, the dumbest thing, the dumbest thing I thought about, I it's so clear in my head while I was running. So this was a Saturday night it happened. And my friends, we have a tradition every Sunday. We go to a restaurant called The Ram and get our food half off after nine. And I was like, I can't miss dinner with my friends tomorrow. <laughs> I'm legit there. thinking about this in my head. I'm like, I have dinner plans tomorrow. I am not going to miss this. I missed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I'm running through and I get, I, I run all the way back to my fraternity. And I, so what's funny is when you live on the same street over and over and you take the same path to class every single day, when you're on the other side of the street in the dark in a rush, it's completely alien. You don't know where you are. So I remember I ran all the way down to 45th Street, which is the, the which is the road that divided the university from the Greek system. So they kind of said, this is off-campus area because we're not responsible for anything that happens here. Mm-hmm. I got all the way to 45th, and I was like, I overshot my house. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> Looked around, I realized that I was literally just on the other side of the street, but I had to run towards the guy just chasing me to get into my house. So I ran towards them, cut over, cut to my left, Ran up the stairs. Entered, thank God our door code. The four numbers were right next to each other. And I was right in. Opened the door. Slammed the door shut. And like as I was slamming it shut, I looked behind me. And I can see the two guys on foot about 15 feet behind me. They were that close. And I come running in. And keep in mind, it's like 3.30 in the morning now. I'm just, I'm like, help, help. Like I've, I've been attacked. Like I don't know what's happening. Uh, 
I need someone to call 911, but I'm like yelling this, right? Yeah. And thank God there was three guys in the kitchen that were just making their, uh, they were making some quesadillas because they were just drunk and wanted food, right? <laughs> we know what happens at 3 at the 30 mm-hmm. in the morning with yeah. quesadillas. Dude, I walked in, they sobered up so quick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> their buzz, gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, way to be a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, no, I seriously was. And like, I was like, help, help, like, I've been attacked. And so I, I go to put my hand up to feel my head oh. where it's where I was hit, and my hand was about here, and I felt blood hitting it. And I was like, oh, oh my fuck. God. I looked down. Dude, the entire floor was red. And I'm talking, like, the entire floor was turning red from the amount of blood I was losing. And my dumb ass took a fucking Snapchat of it first before <laughs> I called help. Don't put a snap. Don't put a snap. I'm, I'm not joking. I show the floor. Covered in blood, I turn the camera around. I do a hang loose, <laughs> posted on my story. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure I saw because I remember seeing the next morning. I was scrolling through my feed. I'm pretty sure you posted on Instagram the pictures you still have up, which are gnarly. Well, I waited about a, I waited about a month to put my okay. Okay. to put that post up just because like there was an ongoing investigation, investigation. and I didn't yep. want anything to link my face to it yet because they didn't. Smart. Yeah. yeah, and but anyway, so my dumbass. Because I opened my phone to call for help. Snapchat was already the thing that was up because that's what I used to talk to Anna first. And so I did that dumbass Snapchat, which I have it now. And it's kind of funny that I can like think mm. back that I did this. But then I call my parents. I'm like, hey, like keep in mind, God, three in the morning in Washington is about. It's six in the morning, Alaska time. Or is it vice versa? Is that midnight? I mean, it's Alaska. Alaska. That's it's midnight. midnight. So it'd be, it'd be oh, no, no, two. No, 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 it'd be two, two, two a.m. It's only, yeah. it's only one hour. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So family's. Passed out here, right? My yeah. dad calls. Hey, and I was like, Hey, uh, I've been atta- I've been attacked. I don't know what's happening. I'm bleeding all over the place. Nine hundred one's like on the phone. We're they're on the way to come help me, and then my phone dies. Oh no! Mm. I didn't get my phone back for another about eight hours. It was just, Hey, I've been attacked. Family is Boop. just freaking out at this. Lost point. connection, yeah. right? And so I, 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 I remember I set my phone down, but I didn't get my phone back until well past. I'm in the hospital, and. Uh, Fire trucks, ambulances, police cars. Dude, I was being straight up interrogated, like, in a good way. I have so many questions being asked while I'm being put in a stretcher to go onto the ambulance. And they're like, we need to get you to the hospital ASAP. They, like, we, so there was a guy named, uh, his nickname was Lemon in our, <laughs> in our fraternity. And he was one of the guys making his quesadillas. And I was like, he, he does not do good with blood. But when this was happening, it was just adrenaline pumping. I was like, give me the paper towels. Like, we need to, we need to put, put pressure, pressure on this. On and the dude stepped up so well and literally took pretty much the entire roll, pulled it all off, and then put the whole thing on my head. And he was holding it. And I, he probably saved my life if he didn't do that. Because, like, there's only so much that I can do. I can't see the wound. I don't know how big it is. Mm-hmm. And so when the... When the paramedics showed up, they said, if you didn't, like, you're really lucky that you did this because I was losing so much blood. It was able to stop it for, it was able to slow it down. It didn't stop it. Yeah, but it wasn't just sitting there squirting. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. you know, Niagara Falls coming up. Yeah, I know, exactly. And they were, they were like, we need to get you to the hospital. And I was like, all right, I'll walk. Or I'll, like, I'll Uber there. I'm not going to take any ambulance because that's an automatic, like, five grand. Shit ain't cheap. And they're like, no, there's like, there's no getting out of this. Like, they threw me in the stretcher and buckled me in and took me <laughs> what off. What a savage move. Though. You're like, ah, walk. They're like, Dude, you almost the- died. Your friend with the paper towels <laughs> saved your life. You're like, I'm a walk. <laughs> I got this. I was like, I ran here. I can run, I can run there if you want me to. Like, I don't care. 
and so they uh, they take me down to the the stadium hospital and stuff, which is literally on the other side of campus. But UW is so big; they had yeah. to go all the way around. We finally got there, and I sat in front of a window for I think six and a half, seven hours with a bandage on my head, and they just gave they kept giving me oxy because they wanted me to not feel the pain or whatever and kind of take me off of it. But they couldn't take the bandage off until I stopped bleeding. So I sat in front of a window for seven hours while they monitored me. Oh my god! So here I am, just right zooted, and then it's like I'm zooted. I finally get my phone back at some point, like towards the end of that. I was my friends chart. They the reason it took so long is they were charging my phone for me. So then they, uh, when I finally got it back, I was able to call my dad and stuff and let him know. And uh, my dad was on the next flight out of Alaska as soon as my phone died. He got on the plane, came right down, and he was down there. Uh, because I, I was discharged and then passed out at my friend's house way away, on the, like in West yeah. Seattle, not nowhere near where uh, this all happened. Mm. And uh, he showed up like the next morning, or the morning after, and it was it was crazy. And it's, yeah, it was like, oh, God, I remember sitting there, and uh, I was in so much shock. It was like, okay, that happened. All right, like I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm still here. But then at some point, it like hit me like a truck. Like someone tried killing me, not just like an accident. Someone tried killing Actively me. Went yeah. out of their way. To yeah. end your life. Yeah, and I was like, this is the craziest thing. And so my my clothes that I was wearing at the time I was wearing like these sweats and this my honestly my favorite sweatshirt that I've ever had, coated in blood. And when I got to my friend's house, we, I. I don't know. I was at the, I was at the hospital, and they had me take it all off after they were able to remove the bandage, and they put it in a trash bag and stuff. And they're like, "Do you want to keep this?" I was like, "Yeah, like, I'd like to get it washed." And my friend, my friend's mom was like, "Oh, she sweetest lady, so we can bleach it." Yeah, she's like, she's like, I'll get the blood out, and I was like. She did. I don't know how she did it. There was a lot of blood. I would have just died the rest of it. Red. That would have yeah, yeah, been simpler. That must. That would have looked like a murder scene in the washer. Like I don't know how. I don't know how it happened. Or you're trying to cover up a murder or something. But she did it, and I remember my because my dad was there when I was after he he came in and like put his. I remember he put his hand on my shoulder, and that freaked me out. It was just my PTSD through the roof. Anything was just making me jump. I was just, I was not okay. A car bumper freaked me out because that's what they tried hitting me with first. I couldn't walk near a car without like my heart pounding like crazy or me losing my breath. It was just, I've, I understand what people go through with PTSD now because I've been able to experience like a super traumatic event and having like the support and being able to keep talking about it is what's really helped me, especially me. I know other people are different for how it happens or for how they recover, but I've found that like the more people that keep asking about it, the more I tell the story is the more I feel better about it. And it's kind of like, and I, I am so glad it happened to me and not my friend because it would have been far worse for her probably. And I never would wish that upon anybody. But after some investigation, we think it was a, uh, cause my aunt was, she worked in the FBI and she was like leading some investigation on it. And they said the, uh, they believe it was a gang initiation, kill someone to join. I was just going to, that was yeah. going to be my guess. Yep. Yeah, and I was lucky I survived. Oh, man, that's, uh, that's just one of those events that, that's the crazy thing about the world. Like, society, we just kind of take it for what it is. We take it for granted. We're like, oh, cool, there's public transit. There's, you know, we have running water and stuff like that. And we go through our normal day-to-day life. 
never thinking or expecting anything like that can happen. You know, you see it on the news, you hear it on, you know, your girlfriend's podcast that she won't fucking turn off. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always th- that stuff going on, but you never think it could be, you know, you or you could be or anybody you know either. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because we had a, you know, not nearly to that scale whatsoever, but a very similar thing at college. Um, we had, you know, a, kind of our nightclub bar that was a block behind our house. Two of my roommates uh, worked there. We'd stay up till they got off work, you know, just wait for them to get home, have a couple beers, whatever. And one night that bar closed, uh, you know, after parties ensued, some people kept showing up, you know, weren't, they didn't want them there, kept kicking them out, turned into like a 20 person brawl in the street. And then at one point, at this point, I had gone to bed about 10 minutes before this, but my two roommates that had been working at the bar, they're still up, you know, doing their thing in the rooms. And uh, one of the individuals, two individuals from the little street ball brawl had kind of separated and, you know, they start having their own little scuff. And then one of them's like, you know, I have a 44 in my belt line. Like, you know, I'm going to shoot you. You have three seconds, three Two and then the other individual pulled a gun and shot him dead in the street in our driveway, like at the opening wow. of our driveway. And one of my roommates, um, I won't mention his name right now, but uh, watched it from his window. And you know, next three days, we've got you know investigators in the house taking crime scene photos, stuff like that. And uh, you know, not ne- you know, not nearly the same situation as what you just described, but just knowing that you know those things do happen, like. The- Life is finite. You never know when it's going to end. And that's why, in my personal opinion, like living an adventurous, taking the most of any moment, because you never know what day could be your last, unfortunately. Like that's a, you know, we're, we're freaking squishy meat bodies and like a real, (laughs) like our human design, real garbage, big brains, not very strong. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, Spencer's head was strong in this moment. Terrible design. (laughs) But, like, you never truly know. Like, you could walk across the street and get hit by a car. You could have a freak, you know, heart attack, aneurysm, anything. Like, you could be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow. Like, stuff happens quick. Life happens quick. And being able to just, like, take life for the fullest and do amazing things. Go get out of your comfort zone. Go do, you know, do what you want. Make make your life what you want it to be. Don't wake up. 60 years from now and wonder what life could have been or what mm-hmm. could have you, you know, what you could have done. Like we were chatting before the pro- podcast and it's like, man, you know, I'd rather be poor as dirt and live the life I want and experience what I want, live paycheck to paycheck than you know, have 10 million in the bank, but work 80 hours a week and never get to experience the things that I wanted to. And man, like sharing a story like that is one super tremendous of yourself to just be able to express that. I know that's an extremely traumatic experience and I'm sure still something that you deal with, you know, to this day of just, you know, coming to terms with what truly happened, how you feel about it, stuff like PTSD and all that and being able to express that, but also being able to like, I don't know, even though that wasn't, you know, like a PSA statement of, Hey, don't (laughs) walk in the dark at three 30 in the morning after, you know, a night on the town or whatever, but just like, you know, people can take stuff away from that at any, you know, at any point and just like recognize the, you know, whether it's to carry, you know, a knife on you or a gun on, you know, be, arm yourself or prepare yourself for a situation like that, or just to like open your eyes to like things could happen to you. Like, so, li- you know, 
live the life you want. Take advantage of every opportunity. Don't, you know, if you don't quite feel like going and seeing your friends, but they invited you out and you're like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to drive 10 minutes to your house. Like, go do it. Go enjoy life. Go enjoy the people that you care about. You, you know, you love in your life and just like, don't live the life that you'd look back and regret. Like, and I don't know. That was a very, that's the first time I've gotten to hear it for, you know, firsthand. I've, you know, I've, you know, talked to you, shortly over social media just like you know kind of just check it in because after you posted that stuff i'm like that's fucking crazy i know that guy and <laughs> i almost didn't know that guy tomorrow yeah. like you know and just well, the amount of people of- too that was it was uh it was kind of a culture shock for everybody that i knew too because it i became the talk of the school and mm-hmm. there was uh they kept an email from so what they do is when when crime happens on campus is they send out a mass email to all the students but what they did is they had to wait about a week and a half two weeks after it happened because there was an investigation they didn't want to give up oh hey we're looking for these guys yeah. right and they started creating like hey like if you're going to if you're walking people home go in groups of 3 so that you drop the person off and it's still two of you coming back and now the school talks about it all the time and I was so I went I went from being known as uh, the guy from Alaska to the photographer to Machete Boy, <laughs> <laughs> the progression to zero. Yeah, I know. It was like, but it was like it was like the Machete Boy. And then I remember I was sitting in class one day, and something came up where the topic of that came up, and they're like, "Yeah, like we had a student like last uh, last couple months who went through some traumatic event down in the streets," and I was like. That was me. I know that guy. Shady <laughs> boy. You want to see the? You want to see the staples? I got They're still no, in. Dude, I got a, I got like a nice gnarly scar in the back of my head. Like my hair is cut short. You, I got a crazy scar back there now. That, that's insane. And there's a there's a oh. they, literally a chunk of skull missing. And so your skull, I found. I learn a lot about my body when I get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I found out your skull is like two layers. They broke the first layer, and the reason they didn't break the second layer is because I had my hood up. It softened the blow just, just enough. enough. That's oh, and, wild, and so and that's those things. Like you can't predict that. Like nope. you just no. happened to. You were like, "I'm gonna look cool walking down the street." Well, I was dog. like, <laughs> because, well, it's it's cold, and it, at night in Washington, it does get cold. And so what I do is I hate having my hood up where I see it. Mm. It prevents my vision. Like I've always hated that, no matter what. So I bring it up just to where it's in front of my ears, where it keeps my ears warm. It's still my hood up. I keep my head a little bit warm. It's okay. And I could still see, but then the reason we found out it was a machete is because my description of he had about a 12 to like 18 inch blade in his hand, but it happened so fast. I couldn't, it wasn't like a hundred percent until after I got my clothes washed, at my friend's house, I put them back on. Cause that's the only clothes I had with me. I put them back on and my dad picked, when my dad picked me up, we were, I think it was, a week. I put the sweatshirt on to go through the airport because I was flying home. I was going home. Yeah. Like, and yeah, no, I was like, I'm, I, my dad's like, You're, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> and I, had, it was funny. I just started work at this place like a week prior. <laughs> They're pissed. I sent him a message. I was like, I was attacked. I'm going home. I have no say. Like that was it. Yeah. And so we get on the, we're getting on the plane and I put my hood up the same way I always do. And my dad goes, oh, let me take a photo of that. And I was like, what? And he goes, your hood has a perfectly straight slice on it right where your head was hit. And I was like, I don't even remember wearing my hood, but it was like, I had it up and there, if like, there's a photo of it somewhere on my phone of my cut on my head and the hoodie sliced 
on the exact spot. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. And the doctor described it. It's like hitting a... It's like hitting something, like putting a sock over a hammer to soften it just enough. Just enough, yeah. That's what. It, that's exactly what my hood did to my head. Yeah, that's insane. Fucking Do you still have that hoodie? I, dude, I can't find it for the life of me. <sighs> I wish I can find. I, it's somewhere in my house. That's all I know. But I've, dude, I've looked. I yeah. can't find it. That's I want to find it because it's still my favorite. It's a sweet hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got it in Hawaii. It was like that, you know, the, those, the nicer salty dog sweatshirts that uh, are kind of like the light, breathy kind of yeah. material. It was that, except for it was like uh, a darkish blue with like a red and white line across the chest that had the Hawaiian Islands on it. And it was uh-huh. like a two-tone uh, uh, string for the hood. And oh, I, I loved it. It was so cool. I wore it all the time. And now I can't find that thing. <laughs> It saved my damn life. I want to wear it. <laughs> right, exactly. Wear that with pride. Oh, man. That's crazy. Well, dude, it's been a blast sitting and chatting with you. I'm glad we finally got to catch up. Like, it's, it's probably been since I graduated high school. Yeah, it's school. been a minute. And, uh, I mean, we've stayed in contact over social media and stuff, but it's so nice to actually finally, you know, sit down and chat. And we'll definitely have to do it again because, I mean, we barely scratched the oh. surface. Oh, there's so and- many stories. <laughs> Exactly. And I got a lot of more things in the work, too, so it'll be... Hell yeah. It's just more to talk about in the future, and I'm excited for it. Oh, dude, you're always welcome back on. I mean, we'd love to do a collaboration in the future, do something, plan something. We'll have to do some trips once you're back up and moving. Um, But, man, tell the people where they can find you. You know, plug all the things you want to plug. Don't be bashful. (laughs) Man, when I tell you it's worth the follow, it's worth the look into. If you're looking to do any type of photo shoot, adventure stuff, wedding anything this is your guy he puts amazing work together awesome individual you just heard him for two hours he's a super likable individual he knows what he's talking about we didn't even get you know touch the surface and the technical stuff the gear stuff we'll have to do that in the future but man he's an awesome individual a good friend and he's gonna put out some amazing work for you so if you're interested go find him right here yep so my instagram is at spencer warren underscore it's i believe it's a picture of me and my dog on my shoulder so it's pretty easy to find and if you scroll all the way to the bottom of that if you're interested in seeing the photos from the attack uh it is down at the very bottom of my page so you can see those there um if you want to see my progression of photography go ahead and go to at visually spence that is where I started posting my photography. If you go to the beginning of that, you'll see literally how I like the photos I started taking versus what I do now. And I moved everything onto one onto one page just because like I wanted I I went around. It was cool having a photography page, but then I realized that all the creators and stuff that I really enjoyed what they did, it was all under their name rather than kind of like a business name. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, all right, it's just at Spencer Warren and. You'll find all my stuff there. Hell yeah. And like I said, I mean, his work speaks for itself. Awesome dude. He does everything. So let him know. I mean, he loves, he's booking worldwide. If you, we got a lot of Aussies out there listening. I know he wants to visit New Zealand. So hit him up. He'll do whatever. He's an awesome dude. And man, it's been a pleasure sitting and chatting with you. Like Appreciate I said, it. we'll have to do it again. And I know you Hell got dinner yeah. to go, uh, go attend. So we'll oh, let absolutely. you get out of here. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, guys, uh, thank you for another week. Uh, we'll check in next week and like always stay average be exceptionally average go do some awesome stuff and uh live life because you never know when it can end have a good one guys Uh